The GameStop apes have actually won a very serious battle. A hedge fund that bet against GameStop, which managed $440 million, announced it is shutting down amid double-digit losses, percentage-wise. This is huge. This could be one of the, uh, this may be one of the biggest stories, but there are a lot of really big stories. Because it's not just that, it's uh, also a new report uh, coming out from the National Pulse showing that Google was actually providing funding to Wuhan-linked virus research through EcoHealth Alliance. And then all the censorship kind of, well, I don't want to necessarily say it absolutely makes sense, but it raises some eyebrows, you know, like Google wants to censor a lot of talk about lab leak that was going on last year, taking down a lot of channels for misinformation. And now we find out that through their foundation, they were providing funding for similar and uh, uh, Wuhan linked virus research. Wow. Well, that's going to be dangerous. And maybe we'll get banned. Um, If we don't get banned for that, we'll probably get banned because Steve Bannon's hanging out with us. How's it going, man? Going very well. Do you want to just briefly introduce yourself? I'm Steve Bannon. There you go. Great. That was brief. <laughs> that was brief. Your producer said be brief. That's it. No. Uh, it's a tough. It's a tight ship over here. No, you want to. You want to. Uh, uh, I'm sure. I'm, I'm going to go. Make well, look, I'm, on, I'm honored to be here because I've, I've wanted the, your audience is an audience that uh, you know we're on the populist right. You know, you came out of the Occupy movement. You're the populist left. Uh, I think there's a lot of commonality. I think today the the story of the apes transcends politics. I think it cuts to the heart. It's one of the, the most important stories in the world, what I call, you know, the verticals of work of the populist movement. And it blew up uh, a hedge fund today in London and more to come, more to come as they as they buy and hold and, and do not retreat. Uh, this uh, group of basically deplorables or the little guy or the common man, whatever you want to say, is relentless. And they're marching to the heart of the competence and corruption that is the rigged casino. That is Wall Street. And I'll tell you how rigged it is. On the way up here, kind of, you know, getting ready for maybe some topics. Seeking Alpha, a great site right out there, a great financial site with short stories, has a headline, uh, AMC, Time to Sell, right? And so I read this, and it's got this very fundamental analysis about the stocks overvalued, net present value, all this stuff. And it's all these reasons that this thing is going to collapse price-wise, and you get all the way down to the bottom. And the guy says, for full disclosure, the very buying time print, in full disclosure, I'm short. <laughs> I said, you can't make this up. Seeking Alpha, why don't you put that in the headline? That A short is, says it's time for you guys. That guy is sweating bullets. Mm-hmm. He's, cause he's oh, worried. sure he is. His losses are infinite. It's the sweet hour of prayer for all these smart guys. This is the power of, I think, the apes. You know, having gone to Harvard Business School and having worked at Goldman Sachs in the merger department, right? Back then was the elite of the elite, is... You see these people crowdsourcing, and this is how modern technology has disintermediated institutions. The reason your show is so big, the reason we can do the war room, you know, where we do it and we, we get traction. It's not like the old days. His reason Trump, one of the reasons Trump won the presidency was Twitter. He could disintermediate the mainstream media, right? What you're seeing with the crowdsourcing of financial knowledge, we had Brittany Avery, uh, one of the, one of the, the, the apes on the other day. She's the young woman that's done the, a mother of two in Missoula, Montana, that has done these billboards of the apes. We should. We should. We should uh, I don't want to do too much because. Yeah. But she, she comes on and says, "Hey, I said." She says, "Oh, you know, I'm just in this stock." And I said, "Well, when did you buy it?" She goes, "January first time I bought a stock." And I go, "Oh, wh- what was the price? Two dollars." Wow. <laughs> the, the stock's Ooh. at sixty. Guys on Wall Street dine out for a career on that trade. Right. I bought it too. I got my clients out at 60. They will literally get clients the rest of their life on that one trade. And she's saying, oh, yeah, I just kind of bought it too. And But her knowledge, 
the collective knowledge. We're going to get into all that too, so I don't want to do too much just yet. We'll go through the intros. So, uh, but uh, without, uh, I don't, I don't think we need to introduce you beyond you're Steve Bannon. To be completely honest, I think most people know who you are. Ian, he's chilling. I heard Billboard of Apes. I'm sold. That sounds awesome to me. Uh, great. Good to see you, man. Hey, thanks for having me. And then I'm also here in the corner. I'm very excited for this conversation. I'm really going to get into it, especially about populism, which I think absolutely transcends party. So I'm stoked about Amen. this. Amen. Before we get started, head over to TimCast.com. Become a member. Because I'll tell you this. There are a lot of things YouTube doesn't uh, a lot of people talk about. I mentioned this briefly in the intro. There's this new story showing that Google was actually providing funding for some of this Wuhan-linked virus research, which I think is going to piss off a lot of people at Google. So here's what we have to do. We, we accept where we win. We accept where we can lose. And one of the opportunities here is we set up TimCast.com. The new website is launching uh, in a couple of weeks. We have a new news section. We have Cassandra Fairbanks writing. We just hired another writer who's going to be doing unexplained culture building stuff, mysteries kind of articles. And we're going to have a bonus segment with Steve up around 11 p.m. After the show, we're going to record another segment where we're going to get into a lot of these subjects that we would be instantly banned on YouTube for talking about. I know it's tough. I wish we could just come out and say all of it. But you choose your battles, and I think this is an opportunity to inform people those conversations will be happening. So go to TimCast.com, become a member. But don't forget, like this video right now, subscribe to this channel, and if you think these conversations are important, and if you think CNN is awful and we deserve more viewers than they do, share the podcast, share the video, and that's true for any video you like because there is more power in the all of these individuals who are watching this show to share and spread the message than in any amount of marketing budget. These big marketing companies would beg and pray for the power you could get from a viral movement or a grassroots movement. They try. They're not good at it. They put up billboards. Let's see if we can beat them. Let's jump into this first story. We'll kick back off where we just were with these with these hedge funds. Check this story out. This is amazing. I, I almost I want to get a standing ovation to the GameStop, the AMC, the the, the, the meme stock apes. This is incredible. You've taken out a hedge fund. Look at this. CNET reports hedge fund that bet against GameStop is closing down. It's game over for White Square, White Square Capital. It managed $440 million in assets at its peak. It sent a letter to investors outlining plans to close down the main fund this month and return investor capital following a review of the business model, according to the report. They, they're, they're announcing a double-digit percentage loss suffered by the first meme stock rally in January. And oh boy, it's only just begun. So now what you have is, and correct me if I'm wrong, Steve. You have a lot of these big hedge funds that they they manipulate the game. They 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 it's it's a manipulated casino. It's a rigged game. They can short a company. Then their friends in the media say, "Oh, this company's bad and it's going to crash. You better sell now," causing the stock price to plummet. And then the short sellers make off like bandits, stripping and manipulating all of us. So what happens is these uh, uh these meme stock apes are like, so these people have no choice but to buy stocks, you know, to to cover their shorts. Yes. So that means if we all buy them right now and the price goes up, they're forced to buy them from us? Yes. Let's play. Now hedge funds just imploded. Can they alternately declare bankruptcy and just wash the debt? The hedge funds. They're leveraged. Here's the problem. Here's the, here's the issue. Remember, the deplorables are the common mans on both sides of the trade. You have the ape army that is just a collection of several million of, of people throwing in money and, and bu- buying and holding these traditional companies, okay? And the stock price goes up because they refuse to sell. The shorts that are the naked shorts... All that money they're managing is essentially pension fund money. And what they're doing is they're using and, and they're doing this naked shorts and y- using leverage to really not just destroy the companies, but to speculate. This is, this is, this is not, hedging is a natural part of Wall Street to hedge certain long positions. This is not that. 
this is where you're in high speculation to basically make a profit on destroying companies and leaking information. Here's where the rig game is. Last summer, Steve Cortez, who's the great guy over at Newsmax and a, a trader for 30 years, he saw these meme stocks. And last year, he, and he does thousands of trades a year. He tried to buy GameStop, right? First time in his life. Not, not margin, but in, a, in, a, in an online account, he had cash money in. First time in 30 years on Wall Street, he couldn't buy the stock. They were protecting the hedge funds against the stock going up. So you couldn't, and this is a big controversy, Robin, you couldn't execute the, the buy, which is in, on Wall Street, sometimes you can't sell because of restrictions, but hey, anybody, you want a stock, boom, you're, you got cash, not leverage, boom, you can buy it. This is how the casino is rigged. And it's written, this is why this transcends politics. Because here you have this ape army of just everyday Americans, and they're teaching each other. They're teaching you. I mean, Brittany Avery was on. She sounded like a trader at Goldman Sachs. A woman's been in the stock since January. She's talking about dips and shoulders and, you know, and they, and they got naked options and the, and the calls are coming. I mean, I'm sitting there going, wow, I mean, this, is, this is not bad. Where did she learn it? She learned it and they go online. They teach each other. This is a community. And I'm telling you, the, the Charlie Gasparino and all the Wall Street press, the Wall Street uh, Seeking Alpha has the, the guy in a short position who's sweating bullets, who writes the article. They are trying to force these guys to sell for every host of reason to save a Citadel capital in the big, highly leveraged funds. And this is why it's one of the most – it's applied populism. This is not people talking about it. This is people doing it. And I'm not telling the audience to go buy the stock. What I definitely would do is seek out this community and find out more about it. You will learn more about practical finance. If you don't know anything about the stock market, if you don't know anything about economics, you don't know anything about finance, I think these people will teach you. And they will teach you what the reality is. And this is still, and you come from the Occupy movement. I mean, this is the, this is the problem we've had since the crash. The problem we've had since the crash in 2008 is that the 1% has gotten, it's insane because Obama is the most progressive president in history. The solution at the time was to basically blow up the balance sheet of the Federal Reserve, increase assets, and let all people who own stocks and real estate just, they went from $880 billion in the Fed's balance sheet to $4.5 trillion. That money was infused in the system to save the system, okay, on the shoulders of the little guy. It was them paying for the bailouts. It was your taxes. And also the negative interest rate. They went, the interest rates went to zero. Zero interest rates kills the little guy because you can never accumulate any capital. You don't get any interest on your money market or any savings account. It's destroyed. This is why I say the millennials are nothing more than Russian serfs. Mm. They're better educated. You're in better shape. You have more access to information. You don't own anything. And you're not going to own anything. And today, BlackRock and Blackstone are buying up every house in the country because of zero interest rates. They're going to get the upside of the assets. You're going to pay the rent. They keep saying in the Davos, oh, just be a renter. Don't need to own anything. You'll have no skin in the game. You'll, cont- you'll just be a surf. You're let's, just going to be a surf. Let's expand on that. Okay. You mentioned the Seeking Alpha article. I pulled yep. it up. Where it's, it says, an open letter to the apes, the stock market in reality. The original title, or it's, the original title was, emotion may tell you to buy, reason will tell you to sell. Then once you get all the way to the bottom, as Steve mentioned, I scrolled all the way to the bottom, and he says, disclosure, I am, we are short AMC. I wrote this article myself and it expresses my own opinions. I'm not receiving compensation for it other than seeking alpha. I have no business relationship with any company whose stock is mentioned in this article. Additional disclosure, I have sold AMC calls. I also own MGIC, MTG stock. Yeah. I briefly mentioned. Yeah. 
He's against the wall. No, yeah. here's the thing. First, he sounds like your father. He's patting you on the head and telling you about it. Then he gives it, then he's the voice of reason. It sounds so great. At the end of it, all you want to do is get out of the stock. And You're then right, you, right, right. And then you see, I've got to get out of the stock, honey. But we got to dump it. So this is how the media tries to rip off the little guy. This, this, th- these people, they come in, they short a stock. And then once, you know, the apes come back and they start saying, Hey, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to fight back. They, you see all these articles come out saying it's bad. It's a bad idea. Don't buy. Don't do it. CNBC doesn't even say the word naked shorts. But let me tell you something else. You mentioned BlackRock. Have you seen how many articles there are right now saying millennials don't buy a house? Or how many articles say a recent poll says millennials hate owning homes? Don't like it. Don't like it. This is the, the great reset and, and build back better. They, the party of Davos, if you go to Davos, the World Economic Forum, that commercial, it starts off by... We don't need to own anything, and we're going to be happier. Mm-hmm. Right? Now you will it's own a, nothing, you will and own, you will you, be happier. You will own nothing, and you will be happier. And then all of a sudden – and here's the thing. You're paying for it. I want to go back to the great Alex Jones. He said it, information warfare. What this is, there's three types of warfare, as the Chinese teaches in unrestricted warfare. There's information warfare, that, which is, includes cyber, but propaganda. There's, there's um, economic warfare, and there's kinetic warfare. Guns, bombs, everything like that. And Sun Tzu teaches you, hey, I want to defeat them before we get to kinetic, foreign devils. What I want to do is information and uh, economic warfare. There is information and economic warfare against the working class and middle class in the world today. Okay? And this is why this ape army is bringing it. That article is sophisticated information warfare. Psychologically, it's very persuasive. Both from an emotional point of view and then at the end, the reason point of view. You actually think your father, your your smart uncle is actually sitting there going, take the profits, sell the stock, sell the stock. Because the hedge funds are jammed. And then at the <laughs> bottom, full disclosure, oh, I'm short. That should right. be at the top. The disclosure should be the hundred percent. If it was fair, it's a, it's a rigged casino. The casino's rigged and their friends make all the profits. There's a thing called Ar- Archegas that was this uh, pr- family office, the new scam. This family office imploded a couple weeks ago, making all these trades, got him wrong. But it was the banks. There's $20 billion of losses by Morgan Stanley, by UBS, by Nomura Securities, billions and billions of dollars, okay? Of all pension fund, that's all the deplorables money is wiped out. Reason, the latest scam they have, the hedge funds are virtually unregulated. The family offices are not un- are unregulated. There's zero regulation. This is all the super wealthy we've created. What the revolution in 1776 was against was a landed aristocracy in the United Kingdom, in England. We have created a global aristocracy that's purpose in life is to make sure the little guy never gets off the mat, and they will use any type of information economic warfare to do that. I, I want to I go back to something you mentioned. You, you mentioned that I came from Occupy, and, it was, and that's populist left, and that's true, but the people that i used to that i that i know that uh, i met during occupy are authoritarian establishment left now they're no longer populist libertarian left they're absolutely toe the line for the fbi support the feds support the war the the most i i tweeted something uh, i posted this on facebook too i said the the greatest de-radicalization in the history of the united states the activist left who used to oppose uh, uh, the federal government who are supporting the hackers who were supporting the be- the best people like free- Weave. The best free speech people in the world. The ACLU. All of a sudden are posting in support of the FBI, mm. the CIA, are saying it's it's wrong to end the wars because it'll create a power vacuum. And I'm like, wow. I, I said this, this is, this is a woman I know. She's, she was part of the hacker community. Not, not necessarily a big hacker herself, but she was friends with all of them. She was very active during Occupy. 
And she posted when the feds uh, raided Giuliani's apartment and office. She was like, yay. And I said, incredible to see you finally recognizing what was wrong with your radicalism and supporting the, the FBI and the federal government. The people, of course, you were protesting quite literally for five years. And they don't understand. One, one person who's, who went to prison for hacking said, well, better they use it on my opponents than me. And I was like, so you're an authoritarian who likes the use of governmental force to shut down your rivals? I was like, bro, didn't you protest that exact thing? Weren't you one of the people like championing Julian Assange and complaining about his, un- his un- unlawful detainment? Or I shouldn't say unlawful because they certainly claim it is, but the unethical, I- I- amoral detainment of Julian Assange. Now all of a sudden you're happy the federal government just goes and does whatever they want. I don't know what happened to these people. No, Lord Acton told us about it. Power corrupts, and absolute power corrupts absolutely. This is about power. That's right. This is about power. They now have power. And, and, and here's the thing. Think back to the 60s and 70s, the, the New York Times, the, the, the Washington Post, the great investigative reporting against the corruption in the, in the CIA, what was happening in the CIA and the FBI, that led to the Church Commission. All the checks and balances we kind of had in Congress, the special committees and the ability to have the, the gang of eight and review all this, this all came from essentially liberal or left, center left or liberal, the bastions of liberal media in the 60s and the 70s that led to these investigations that should have been done and had to be done. Those places today, the New York Times and the Washington Post, are, are the vanguard of protection of a national security apparatus as I'm a foreign naval officer. My daughter went to West Point. You know, we, we our whole family, my kid brother that's here today is a Navy pilot. All of us served. We're the biggest of guys that's sitting there going, this apparatus is out of control. It's out of control against every American. I, I love this. Uh, uh, this. I, I wonder if. Let me start over. People have tried to figure out what left and right means in, these, in this day and age. It certainly meant something, you know, 20 years ago, I guess. Maybe it didn't. Uh, during Occupy, it certainly did. You had the libertarian right, you had the libertarian left. Wokeness came into Occupy and really did a number in destroying a lot of it. And I wonder if that was, you know, intentional. There's a comic we reference where it's a this wealthy guy in a big office and there's protesters saying Occupy Wall Street outside. He's on the phone and he goes, introduce identity politics. That was one of the big things that, that really helped break apart the libertarians who showed up to Occupy Wall Street. They leave as soon as this stuff pops into place. But I wonder if there is a big, uh, if, if, if the issue is, Populist versus elitist or authoritarian versus libertarian. These are core components. I think it's populist versus elitist and and nationalist versus globalist. The nation state is still the best way to, 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 to have your, to have your, not just your values, but to have your basic rights. But how about uh, the religious framework as well, right? So if you look at the woke, which is a, a very large component of the establishment, their moral framework is fascistic. They believe there is no objective truth. There is yep. only power. Yep. It was it was uh, uh, the late David Graeber, who was one of the uh, key uh, organizers of Occupy Wall Street, who actually said this. He tweeted out, big element of the left today is that this fascistic belief, there's no truth but power. And so you look at the, the uh, Judeo-Christian moral framework, which is far from perfect, but there's a lot of aspects of it, like uh, Blackstone's formulation rooted in the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. I bring this up. I don't want to riff too much on this, but I think, you know, we try to figure out what left and right means. And it's hard to know for sure, but I do think the biggest aspect might just be, will you be honest and fair with someone and, 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 and their rights to individualism? Or do you think those in power should wield it against anyone who would oppose them? Well, I think that's what the globalists are. I think the globalists are totally materialistic and they prepare that power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. And they feel they have absolute power. 
It's, I, I think everything on the cultural side are just things, a lot of things are just thrown out there. I'm still an economic and financial power. The people that have that power actually control things, right? right. And, and they're trying to do other. I think one of the things that you saw what Mao did and the Bolsheviks did to try to break the traditional family. The key is to break the family, right? You see that here with a lot. What happened here, I think, with what I call cultural Marxism is still to have these struggle sessions to try to break the nuclear family and to break that, just like Mao. That was the whole thing of the Cultural Revolution, was to break that. Same thing with the Bolsheviks. You, you, you mentioned, the, we talked about this article from Seeking Alpha, where the guy says, hey, you know, you should sell your AMC stocks, and then finally at the bottom he says, by the way, I'm short, which means he's screwed and needs you to sell. And you said it was sophisticated information warfare. Yes. Are you familiar with fourth and fifth generational warfare? Yes. So uh, a big component being information manipulation you mentioned uh, yes. the art of war yes. that it's you, you want to finish the war before you get to kinetic you do yes. manipulation economics and uh, I, so i'm just reigniting those components as i point to the book you have in front of you the fourth turning yeah and we we talked about this with i think it was ben ben stewart right yes the the fourth turning which is uh, i believe it's Strasshow generational yep. theory which essentially is predicting that we are about to enter. We are entering a, a period of strife, the winter season, which could mean a very oh, serious— Oh, we're in it. We're, we're in it. We're in the crisis, yeah. So uh, the crisis uh, beginning, period. Beginning of the crisis period. We're past the unraveling. So I, I will. Uh, I'll just give people a quick introduction, then we'll jump into it. Eighty years ago, what did we, what did we have? What do you mean after World War II and the— and the World and, War II. And, yeah, World War II, the, yes. The crisis. Yes. Uh, Eighty years before World War II. The, the Civil War. Eighty years before the Civil the War. The American Revolution. That's right. So because of that, people are saying, hey, three for three, right? What's what's the next big conflict? So I wonder, is it is it this internal conflict in the United States between the establishment powers, which which does absolutely extend to international interests for sure. But you've got the culture war here. And then you also have the conflict uh, uh, with, with China, which is on the horizon. Taiwan, they just flew 28 warplanes, the most yep. ever into the uh, Taiwanese yep. defense zone in the air. And uh, what's it going to be? Is it neither? Can they see that? On the yeah. You should get. And I'll I raise it up a little bit. And I recommend everybody read this book, mm-hmm. right? Just, just for, and it's very dense. This is not a beach read. Okay. This is a very dense book, but it is worth struggling with and working yourself through it. It's a real thing to read books today and not just stuff online. So get that Strauss and how it's, it's very, uh, I, as soon as I heard about it and got it, it, and it's been very, um, helpful for me as a framework it's not perfect like any theory is but it talks about different generations and every generation kind of raises the other differently but if you look back in american history from the revolution to the civil war to the great depression world war ii to today it has a certain pattern to it and one of the things that people particularly in the news business those people i see that are the always ahead of the curve understand pattern recognition pattern recognition and these guys clearly saw it the um no i think today i think we're hurtling towards a couple of crises. One is obviously a global financial crisis that I think could make everything else before us uh, look like uh, you know child's play. The other is a massive geopolitical crisis. Remember, the, and you go back to classic geopolitics, McKinder, right now on the Eurasian landmass, which American foreign policy since 1914 is to make sure that no power or combinations of power control the Eurasian landmass because the world island, which the Western Hemisphere is kind of an island off of the world island. The world island, the pivot of that Central Asia and those spots control the world. Now you have China with its partners, Pakistan, Iran, Turkey, and Russia, right? And we kind of forced Russia over that. We had every opportunity to break it off. They are now working almost in concert, right? Almost with one belt, one road. Also, the, But everything is focused around getting off the U.S. dollar. 
getting off the U.S. dollar as the prime reserve currency and the SWIFT system as the system that ties it together. They're looking to work in concert. And and their controlling the Eurasian landmass will lead us to a kinetic war in the South China Sea or on the border of India or somewhere along those fissure points unless we are wise enough and smart enough to start acting like a great power along with our allies. And as long as we continue to act like children and our leadership act like children and to allow the Chinese Communist Party and, and, and the party at Davos to infiltrate every aspect of f- capital markets, Wall Street, our global corporations, all of it, you know, information warfare and economic warfare who have every ability to take this thing down and to do it in 90 days. Yet the elites in our country refuse to do it. And it's the little guy. This is the just like in every other war. It's the little guy that's going to go over there. It's the little guy's kids are going to go over there. They're the ones going to be buried in foreign battlefields. Their taxes are the ones that are going to pay for it. They're going to have the financial strife. And that's why it's time for populist left and populist right that are populist and nationalist. To me, to transcend politics, see where we agree, put this together, realign the politics in this country, and we can control the country for 100 years. So uh, um, <clears throat> I'm curious because uh, we had the American Revolution, which was an international conflict, essentially. Then we had a civil war. Civil war was an internal conflict. Then we had another external conflict. I we, don't totally agree with that. You don't think so? No. It was also part of a – remember, Lincoln and these guys were also nationalists. Obviously, yeah. slavery drove it, but slavery drove it – let's leave the moral issues aside, which were horrific. It was also the thing of economics and, 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 and the exploitation of African-Americans for free labor, right? And Lincoln and these guys were nationalists. They were hardcore nationalists. Remember, Lincoln in his term uh, built the Transcontinental Railroad, mm-hmm. right, passed the Homestead Act, which allowed free land – and set up the land-grant universities, which allowed the common man's kids to actually go and get an agriculture and technical thing. So these guys were nationalists. They had a, they had a nationalist perspective, and the southern plantation aristocracy were part of a globalized system with the United Kingdom that they're even thinking of going to Brazil and South America and start a slave empire down there that wow. would be part of a global empire – basically essentially tied back to the British if they could get around the thing of, hey, we're going to have slaves drive this, just like the slaves in China. Remember, the slave labor of China drives the entire system today. We still have slavery. The slavery in China drives the system today. But what what I I mean to say is the fighting was internal. The fighting was was here. Then we had another international conflict overseas. So I, I wonder if in this fourth turning... Are we going to be experiencing an internal conflict? Look, we had uh, the Boston Globe reported yes. that uh, John Podesta said if Biden doesn't win, the West Coast should secede from the union. Forty-eight yes. states were involved in this yes. lawsuit that got thrown yes. out eventually. And so uh, I'll put it this way. Um, I, we see the stuff with China. Uh, Russia, obviously, South China Sea is big. We just had uh, Russian war games off the coast of uh, 300 miles west of Hawaii. Yep. Freaked everybody out. You've got uh, President Biden, which many people are concerned he's not up to uh, actually defending Taiwan or, or being commander in chief at a time of serious war. Silicon Valley West. Yeah. With the chips. We don't have a choice. Right, right, exactly. Forget the moral thing. You, you don't defend. You think you got to slow down and get in your F-100 truck right now or your refrigerator because of chip shortage? Let the, let, let the CCP take over Taiwan. So uh, you mentioned the people who have been successful have been good at pattern recognition. And so uh, a lot of my success came from my ability to be at the right place at the right time during the Occupy era, during the Vice, when I was for Vice. I would be like, here's the place we need to be. I'd fly there and then boom, news would explode. And I'd happen to be there, be able to film it. And that's why I got accused of being a Fed half the time because they were like, how does Tim know to be in these places for these big stories? It's like, no, I just recognized all the news that was bubbling up and I went and checked it out. For the past several years, I've been, I would say, bullish on some kind of civil war. 
be it the culture war culminating to a very serious economic crisis. It's been called a cold civil war or even a hot crisis between political factions. I think a lot of people, uh, like Bill Maher, for instance, he said you couldn't have this because the Mason-Dixon line would go through, you know, grandma's kitchen. But that's because he has no understanding of civil wars internationally. He's he's fixed on some American idea where states fought states and not, say, Spain, where you had regions that just diverted into, you know, were dominated by certain ideologies. So I've had a lot of people tell me I'm wrong every step of the way from the, the start of the, the street battles from even Occupy Wall Street that I experienced into the battle for Berkeley, where you had Antifa, Proud Boys. And it got particularly bad where we're still seeing some of these battles. I don't know if it'll escalate beyond that. But the the culture war, the ideological rift, the wokeness, the anti-woke is, is at the highest point of government. It's in the military. It's in the federal government. It's in the presidency. It's in the opposition to the presidency. It's in Congress. You've got uh, woke policies, you know, trainings happening in federal government. And then I still have people say to me, Tim, you're wrong. There will not be a civil war. Could never happen here. And now we're at the point where they're still saying it. And then I mentioned January 6th. Like if, if these people on the left say Tim's crazy for thinking this, I now, now I just respond with uh, on January 6th, a bunch of uh, right wing people stormed into the Capitol. A lot of them bumbled in, mind you, the cops opened the doors. But uh, what would you say about that? And then they go quiet. I, I bring all this up just to see what your thoughts are on the potential for you know civil war, if that's going to be our, 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 our fourth turning or if it's going to be an international conflict. I think it's a combination of both. And look, on the Civil War aspect, it doesn't need to get it doesn't need to get violent. I think we're in a pre if you go back and study history, we're in a nastier, uh, more vitriolic time than before the Civil War. Go back and study the 1850s. How long until someone gets caned in Congress? Well, OK, this That's is freaky, right? this is this is my point. And that was pretty a, a pretty violent time, right? A pretty violent time. And the, the, the passions ran very hot. You're in that aspect today. But we do not need to devolve it. In fact, to me, the sucker's play is to try to get violent. This is what I was always against. You don't need the Insurrection Act. We're winning. We're winning. The people in this country are now awakening to the fact of what the economic reality is and how they've been, particularly Republicans. Remember, all these woke corporations and the social media corporations that are shutting down Republicans across the board. The last 30 or 40 years of Republican uh, orthodoxy has been give them deregulation, give them tax cuts. The reason I fought the tax cuts, President Trump and his tax cuts worked out very well, but certain aspects of it, I wanted to tax the wealthy. I wanted to increase the tax rate to 44%. Number one, I made the startling thing. They don't pay taxes anyway. And last week we saw, uh, you know, and Merrick Garland, just remember, Joe Biden's attorney general, Merrick Garland says my number one priority is to get the, the leaks of the 25 billionaires that were put out there. And by the way, <laughs> Mitch McConnell comes out and says, it's my number one priority too. Mary Garland you know, says this. Let's, let's, because that story went down the memory hole. Mm-hmm. You didn't see story after story in the New York Times about that. You didn't see story after story in even the conservative media. You didn't see story and story on, on, on CNBC, right? 25 billionaires that have control of, I don't know, $500 billion in assets, at least that are reported, right? Half a trillion dollars, 25 over the last five years have paid a combination less than $15 billion in taxes. That's what I said. Raise the upper rate because they don't pay taxes. Now, and they can avoid eventually, which is going to be the tax on the assets, because that's going to come. Somebody's got to pay for this. If we're going to have this level of spending, you got three ways to pay for it. Either sell the bonds to Japan and China, right? You either raise taxes or, or, you, or you print money. There's one you could grow out of it, but we're stuck in in a low growth you know environment because we've so overspent. So now there's thirty trillion dollars. You know, Obama because of the what he did to the Federal Reserve and the zero interest rate, we had a ten trillion during Obama's watch. 
and we've added another, I think, eight Trandoran or four Trand, two, two or three Trandoran Trumps, and now we've just exploded under Biden, and it's, it's nowhere, it's not stopped. Now, they got this modern, modern theory. There's this new theory about it, but hey, that's why everybody's running to crypto, right? Yep. That's why everybody's running back to gold and silver. That's why people are prepping. I brought some financial times, and every time you pick it up, it's the global apparatus, regulatory apparatus, has one focus in mind. How do I crush crypto? How do I make sure, how do I make sure it's not an alternative store of value like gold and silver are? Yep. They don't want you to have an alternative. This is the Bank of International Settlements out of, out of Switzerland, basically, that's running. Well, that, it's also, yes, that, it's also the central banks. It's the Bank of Tokyo. It's the Bank of England. It's the Federal Reserve. They're all going to regulate it. And now you can't do these, just using blockchain. You can't just be private. They want to get into all the, all the checks and balances. The CCP is shutting down all the, all the farmers themselves to make it tougher. What they want to do is to, they see the ability of crypto. And look, crypto is not, I disagree with President Trump. It's not a scam. Mm. There's 2.1 trillion dollars of dollars in the world trading every day. Right. Using because you have to convert to dollars to do all trans. There's two point one trillion dollars out there. OK. Every day doing transactions all over the world. I think there's now two point two trillion dollars of crypto. So there are scams in it, but it's clearly an alternative that and it's definitely a, a alternative store of value. I may it may not feel like that to Bitcoin holders today when you're down at thirty thousand. But but, you know, it's but it, for guys that bought it at five, it is. And it's still an alternative. When you look at these other cryptocurrencies, you got to take your trade. But the it, central apparatus it, wants to take that option away from you. Yeah, again, if you a central you, authority messing things up. Or, I, I, I'm, this is not financial advice. Yep. I'm just saying um, if an individual put a portion of their paycheck into Bitcoin every week, like it was a savings account, yep. they would not be upset today. Yeah. Because I bought I bought Bitcoin in November. Oh no! Oh oh! Bitcoin fell to to thirty thousand. Oh geez! Imagine if you told someone in November when it was at thirteen thousand dollars that it was going to crash to thirty and people yeah. would panic. They would laugh and be like, "Oh, buy some right now." I just I, I it's to me it's almost like a savings account. Here's what everybody will do. Why does the system when when you're educated they teach everything in public schools etc. Even the Catholic schools, Christian schools. But the particularly public schools and in college, you never learn anything about basic finance. Thank or you. No, you never do. They want you to be illiterate. If you have to get in the world. Think of your life in your early twenties or thirties when you're on your own. You're fr- everything's about hey, I got to make, I got to pay the credit card, I got to pay rent. You're thrown into the world with no. They want you to be financially illiterate. The power of the ape army, and what people are doing. I'm not saying buy meme stocks, and I'm not saying buy crypto. You know what you need to do? It's time now to act like an adult and say, hey, guess what? Everything they're telling me is a lie. I'm going to go find out for myself. I yes. want to do my own research. I want to sit there and I want to, I want to find it. I want to learn about this. I have to learn. You have to, you have to become intellectually, financially independent to make your own choices. Not just financially. This, this brings me to the question that, uh, that I had to bring up. Um, doing the research for yourself. You, you just said tax the rich. I, I, I believe. Um, but I thought you were far right and believed in deregulation and the billionaires. At least that's what the media tells everybody, right? You've come out multiple times saying these people are getting away with not paying anything. You're getting ripped off. So the Wall Street Journal dumped out in the summer of 17. I wanted to raise I, I, to President Trump. I said we should raise tax on the wealthy to 44 percent and on the corporations as they bring this cash back from overseas. Right. It ought to be taxed less if it's put in capital equipment and plant and because we must rebuild the manufacturing base of this country for the American people. And if you put it in Detroit or St. Louis, or Baltimore inner cities, you get a bigger tax cut. Every piece of capital in this country that goes into the manufacturing, of ca- put into capital equipment to build fourth industrial manufacturing jobs, 
is going to increase the ability of the working class family. Look, here's the goal. We want the ability, and I'm not saying women have to do this, but we want the ability to get back to the 50s where one wage earner can have a family, a wife and children or a, a husband and children, and they don't have to work unless they want to work. We can get back to that. It's no law of metaphysics. There's no second law of thermodynamics that says we have to have this free trade that we, we send our factories all over the world, that we basically put all the burden on the American, uh, it's the little guy, the American citizen for all the wars, all the taxes. Everything's put on his shoulders, his or her shoulders. It doesn't have to be that. You should have a special deal if you're an American citizen, right? And that deal deals with let's have a tax policy that rewards labor and work, not just simply capital, because right now it's out of balance. Let's get back to a balance. I'm a capitalist. I'm not some left-wing socialist, but i got to tell you, and I say this all the time, unless we reform capitalism it, this thing's going away. And be, it's going away fast. It's interesting. I, if the money you held got higher tax rates, but the money you make does has a lower tax rate until you hold it for like a set amount of time, and then it's the tax rate starts to go up the longer you hold it. Well, that sounds like you want to negative improve interest rates. Right? Circulation. But, but, but here's the thing: is that the wealthy they have. This is the if you go back and look at the 24 people that are the wealthiest in the nation, they don't pay the pay the tax of, of uh, Bloomberg and Buffett is like 0.11 because they have all these tax accountants looking for every deal in the world that the system gives them the supposedly for investment but system gives them to avoid taxes I, I want I, I will uh, counter with this though taxing them just puts the money into the government and it's like the government is free from corruption. Well, first of all, it doesn't put, totally put the money. First of all, we got to pay. If we're going to have a government that provides these services and has a $1 trillion, and that's why we have $1 trillion defense budget, because you add up all the net, all the intelligence and add in all the areas where they put it out into other departments, it's a trillion dollars a year. If we're going to continue to spend like this, somehow it's got to be paid for. I'm all for cutting it, but still the wealthy, because of their benefits. Remember, think about it. It's it's like the environment back in the, in the, in the 60s or 70s before we had environmental laws. They had this thing called the commons. Right. Because the effluent, you know, the, the Hudson River, you, you, you could, was filthy. The air in L.A. you couldn't see through because to dump everything didn't have any charge to it. And then the people had a thing to, to actually start to charge for effluents. You had the Clean Air Act and all these things. And, and it got and those people say, oh, the libertarians say you can't regulate. But it, it, the, the water got cleaner. The air got cleaner. President Trump says, I love clean water. I love clean air. Hey, it all got better. Why? Because the commons. We have the same thing here when people say, well, Steve, we have the most robust liquid capital markets in the world in the stock market. That's all because of the little guy. It's because it's civic society upon the shoulders of the working class and middle class in this country. Everything rests. Okay. The cops, the teachers, the nurses, the people that build the, the, the coach Little League, that build the churches, that civic society of America is what provides for the safety of investment. That's why the whole world wants to come here and invest their dollars. It's on the shoulders. And all my point is, hey, let's give a little something for the effort, right? So, I'm not some radical socialist, but if we don't shift a little more to the working men and women in this country, right? And that's what the apes are doing. They ain't waiting for regulation. Mm-hmm, you know what they're right. doing? They're saying, hey, you're destroying good American companies. It's a rigged game. How about this? Buy and hold, right? And if, that, if you're sold this stock short and it goes up, tough that's tough luck. We're going to crush you, and they're going to crush these head funds on the way to the corruption. They're going to get to the casino, and they're going to tear the casino down. This is uh, Occupy Wall Street 2.0. <clears throat> it's got a lot of people on the left, younger people, Democratic socialists cheering for it. It's got people on the right, Trump supporters, populist uh, right-wing individuals all lots cheering of, for lots it. Lots of veterans. A lot of veterans. 
it's amazing to hear, you know, the things you're saying about the working class, about taxing the rich, because I wonder why it is that we don't see more of the populist left agreeing, finding out where they agree and what they can target to change and changing it. I think they're, I think the populist, I've always said a third of the, of the Bernie, let's go back to 16 and my, you know, work on populism with Breitbart beforehand. 16 was very simple. The reason Trump won is that the American working men and women and certain middle class people rejected the managed decline of our country by an elite of both parties. It's Wall Street. It's the global corporations. It's the uniparty. And here's what the thing is. They're comfortable with that managed decline because they're making more money on the way down than we made on the way up. Okay, so it's the managed decline of our country by the elites. And that's what kind of the Trump was the middle finger to that. Yeah, it's like All right. I, I, and, and that's and that I think more populous, the one third of the Bernie people, particularly now after two cycles, you didn't win. Right. Because the fight was not the, the fight of the people was there. But the po- fight of the candidates itself was not there to take on the neoliberal neocons of which the, the Clinton apparatus was in the central apparatus of the Republican Party. But one of the problems I see now you know, I mentioned this earlier on in the show, friends of mine from Occupy Wall Street now supporting the federal government, the FBI, the establishment, they've abandoned the populist left. And it's just basically tribalism. If if it's bad for the right, they'll cheer for, cheer for it. They're not interested in improving things. I wonder if a big aspect of it is they're young and inexperienced and their whole world is just my side is the right side and we better win by any means necessary. Or if it's just authoritarians who have manipulated people, seized power and while there certainly were populists at Occupy Wall Street, many uh, many of which I found out later switched and voted for Trump. You got Jack Murphy's book, Democrat to Deplorable. A lot of these younger people who are in their early 20s just support the establishment and will vote for whatever the establishment wants. Yeah, I'm thinking about the liberal economic order. They built it after World War II to prevent World War III. The British and the Americans were like, we're going to set up military bases all over the world. And they basically did prevent World War III. Although you could say now maybe the system's vestigial and it's ready to be changed or ripped down or maybe the whole world could create a world police or something. But people see the value of this fascistic militarism that's prevented World War III. And so there is a kind of a dissonance like, how do we transition away from this? Let me go back there. Sorry. I actually think we had World War III and uh, we won by information and economic warfare. And we didn't have to go. We had to go kinetic sometimes within Korea or, the, or, or these in Vietnam and other places. But we won because we took down the central communist apparatus of the Soviet Union. Right. We defeated it. And remember, in 1989, within a few months of the Berlin Wall coming down, you had Tiananmen Square. In Tiananmen Square, we had a moment in time when the elites in the United States Having take having Reagan's let's we win they lose having the collapse of the Soviet Union we could have taken down the whole thing the CCP would have collapsed that's why they were in panic in 30 days after we propped them up General Scowcroft went over from Bush 43 or Bush 41 went over there and basically made a deal with the CCP that we're going to support you we're going to we're going to because they saw the ability of the Chinese model. Right. To, they, they always thought they could change China to Democrats, but they really bought into the economic model where China would be the central apparatus of manufacturing. Those jobs would all get shipped over and you essentially use, they say, cheap labor, slave labor in China. Lao Beijing, old hundred names would be slave labor and that would support this international system. That's not a conspiracy. Them's facts. Okay. And you can, this whole system is predicated upon that. We had, we actually won World War Three by information and kinetic warfare, and we gave it away. And that's why all the guys who said the end of history and all this nonsense forgot the fact that we then went to this kind of global globalization, 
right, predicated around the slave labor of China that exported deflation and inability to raise prices, but particularly inability to raise wages because you've always got excess capacity by the state-owned industries of China, and that's why working people throughout the world have suffered. In the United States, the central economic point, we haven't had an increase. Real wages have not changed, except for 19 when Trump had it, since 1972 or 73. Working, look around anywhere in this country. It's clearly not as good as it was back 30 and 40 years ago. It's because you've had a, a, a huge deterioration of, of, of working class people ability to have high value added, high paying manufacturing jobs. During, uh, Trump, uh, Trump's administration in 2019 particularly, the economy was great. Jim Cramer said the best number of our numbers of our lives. There was something I found pretty hilarious. The left has advocated for a bunch of things like a four-day work week or, you know, less hours per day or um, more vacation time, uh, paternal leave, uh, you know, maternal or otherwise. And they want this through regulation. The government should snap their fingers right down, boom, make it happen. Under Trump, without reg- regulation, it started to happen. There were several stories. I think it was Potbelly Sandwiches announced a four-day work week, vacation time. We started seeing that happen in so many different companies. People were making more money. When we were buying furniture for the first uh, studio setup for this show, I went to a furniture store and the lady told me she she had never made as much money in her life as she did in 2019. This is the beginning of 2020. And I heard the same thing from the contractor who was doing work on the house to help us build this. He's like, this best year of my life last year. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to Ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. So all of these things came about through economic policy under Trump. But I'm, I'm wondering, some people have argued... It was Trump just spending like crazy, which was creating an artificial uh, bump in the system that made everyone feel good, but wasn't actually fixing things. Curious what your thoughts were with uh, it, look. There's there's a Keynesian aspect to that. You know, you had you had spending and you had tax cuts at the same time, so d- double whammy. But you also had restrictions on immigration, right? Which is a big thing for working for working class people, particularly non skilled labor. Remember, it's the Chamber of Commerce, and it's the Republicans that want all that. The, the Democrats want the votes, and the Republicans want the cheap labor, okay? But also, at the higher end, I, I'm a restrictionist, and I also am the leader of the of one of the leaders of the freedom movement of the Chinese people, and I'm the chairman of the of the Republican Hindu coalition, right? So I love Modi. I love the nationalism in India. I got a lot of close friends, but I, and I chair it. But I'm I'm a restrictionist, and the reason is we need American citizens to get high tech, high. If you turn the entire education system over to STEM in grade school, right? You need to be able to have African-American and Latino and Hispanic people get into the engineering schools and get jobs in Silicon Valley and get jobs in the fourth industrial revolution, manufacturing jobs. This whole thing, we're going to be a service economy is a joke. 
one of the biggest things coming out of here now you see is what's nine million jobs and they can't fill them from the service economy. One third of the jobs last uh, for the Biden thing, the disastrous job numbers were bartenders and and and, uh, and waiters. I used to be a bartender in college. I, I said, but people don't see it as a career. One of the good things you see people hesitant to come back. One of the reasons is, hey, I don't know if I just want to go back to that grind that has no future to it. Can't I do something else? That hopefully is the entrepreneur spirit. People want to start businesses. But it's also we must return to become a manufacturing superpower. Anybody that sells you, any corporation, any advertisement, any politician that sells you that we can be a service economy is lying to you, is lying to you. You're always going to work for surf-like wages, right? You're always going to work like surf-like wages until we return to a manufacturing superpower. I'm a hardcore protectionist. I'm hardcore tariffs and protections, and not just that. I wouldn't happy talk around these corporations about, oh, you're going to take your capital and you're going to move it overseas? No, you're not. Until we understand that manufacturing jobs are not being outsourced, that capital and investors' capital, Mm -hmm. that belongs here in the United States of America. It's protected, and the civic society has built it. We're not communists. We're not socialists. But this ability, for, and this is my problem with the libertarians, they see the free flow of capital and the free flow of labor and open borders and open capital markets. I say not so fast. We're a country with an economy. We're not an economy first. This whole thing of this Austrian school of economics and all these guys talking about, you know, it's like it's like the, a lot of guys on the right now saying, oh, it's just free markets that Blackstone and, and BlackRock are buying up all the housing stock. No, it's not. We're not, we can't have a system where you buy up all the housing stock and have the millennials just rent it back so you're paying your interest payment and you, well, you get the zero interest rate. You get the juice on the asset increase. You can't have a country like that. You're not going to have firemen. You're not going to have police officers. You're not going to have military to protect you. You can't do this. If people don't get skin in the game, and I mean real ownership, so they can sit there and go, this is mine. I can pass it on to my kids. You're going to have a system that's going to collapse. You should have been on day one in New York at Occupy Wall Street. See, what happened was in the early few days, a lot of what you're saying was what was being said. I met an elderly couple that must have been in their 60s with a big old American flag talking about how we got screwed over by the elites, how the big banks were putting us off, how we were footing the bill. And there were a lot of people there, but there was no sustained leadership. What happened was these kind of people are old. They have work to do, so they eventually go home. But the trust fund college kids with nothing but time on their hands and driven by woke ideology, they would come down and they would organize the meetings every single day. And over time, this weeded out a lot of the conversations, a lot of things that you you were saying. I feel like, and maybe it's just a wishful thinking, that if you or someone like you were there on day one, someone who was going to actually say the things you're saying and maintain that as the conversation— then the woke takeover of Occupy never would have happened. And that would have very much changed the trajectory of the past 10 years. When I was at Occupy in the first week, I met Luke Rudkowski. Do you know Luke? Mm-mm. He's uh, what you, was it, Luke an anarchist? Yeah, technically. Yeah. Anarcho-capitalist. You love yeah. him. He's a, he's a right anarchist. This is his company. We are changed. Yeah, we are changed. We have, we have him on the show every so often. He's up at Porkfest, the Free State Project yeah, in sure. Hampshire. I met him down there, and he's, he's right libertarian. And I was left libertarian, but it was very much like the elites are screwing us, the system and, and all that stuff. I remember I was having a conversation with some people one day and they announced they were implementing progressive stack. That meant if you want to speak at any of these meetings and you were white, you're out. You're a man, you're out. If you were LGBTQ, you'd have to announce that to the entire group and out yourself if you would like to speak if you were a man. That shut everything down. People started leaving. 
people who were interested in pushing back against the corruption started crying. I, I, I knew one guy who was saying a lot of things you were saying. He left crying and never came back. Then you look at where that movement has gone since then. And, you know, look, I, I supported Bernie Sanders in 2015 and 16. Why? What did Bernie Sanders say to Vox.com in the interview with Ezra Klein? I am not for open borders. That is a Koch yeah. brothers proposal. <laughs> they want free labor and I don't support that. What did Bernie Sanders then say when he was on the debate stage in, in, in 2019, 2020? How many of you are in favor of decriminalizing border crossings? Yeah. They all raise their hand. How many yeah. of you want free health care for nonsense? Yeah. They all raise their hand. That's not what the left was about. Remember the battle, the battle in Seattle? 1999, was it? Yeah, I was yeah. looking at it. I remember it. I learned about it only through Occupy Wall Street. They were, they were opposing the World Trade Organization. Something happened. WTO. Yeah. Th- these, these people came in during Occupy. And because they were young, exuberant, and had nothing better to do, easily took it over. And it's a bummer because there were a lot of people... I see, I see a lot of people from Occupy who went to become Trump supporters, Trump voters. A lot of people sort of supported Bernie, then went to support Trump. And a lot of those people are still in the same place as not necessarily left, not really right, but just for the people, populist, support manufacturing, support the working class. And we're being torn apart by a culture war. We're being tor- torn apart by ideology, this whole thing about critical race theory. And because of that, it's fascinating. I'll see people on the left who completely agree with everything you said about increasing taxes on the wealthy and helping the working class. But then they'll come out and defend critical race theory, something that we, for instance, absolutely oppose. I, I oppose because I come from a second generation, I'm second generation mixed race in my family. And that ideology, identitarianism would rip apart, you know, the way our, our family, the way we live. So I absolutely have to, to oppose that. I feel like that whole battle has has made it impossible for the left and right to come together, maybe on purpose. It started around Occupy Wall Street. It split everybody up. And now when you see left and right populists agreeing on core economic issues, they can't agree on these critical race theory questions. They're not going to come together. You know what I mean? I think enough can agree on the basic economics that we can transcend this and actually can take. I think you're going to see a realignment. The key is, like, look at the Rio Grande Valley. Look at these. Look at adult, look, these are hard. That's the most hard scrabble part of this country it is 85 percent Hispanic, working class Hispanic. Very culturally conservative, but more importantly, they understand that open borders is crushing them. These are people that understand I'm an American citizen. I deserve a deal that protects me and gives me a shot at a, at a good paying job eventually if I work hard. I mean, look at let's go to Mr. Floyd about and I say this all the time about George Floyd. And, and, and I don't want to talk about the crime that's committed against him. That's a different topic. But I say let's look at his life. Right. When he died, he had CCP virus. He had COVID-19. He was on fentanyl and opioids. Right. And he didn't have a great job because all the manufacturing jobs shipped overseas. Think of what George Floyd's life would have been if we had had a manufacturing base. He would be a supervisor or a foreman at a, at a factory or a junior management. He'd be closing up his uh, opening up his summer home to go fishing up in the lake country in Minnesota with his second home up there, a little cabin he could share. If he, if he didn't, it didn't have the, uh, the, op- the opioids that shipped in by the Chinese Communist Party through the cartels in Mexico across open borders with everybody making money on the way up and the huge profits on that to poison him, to poison him and no opportunity for a job and to top it all off, the Chinese Communist Party virus that the elites and the, and the scientific priesthood has basically helped fund and helped do. He had the CCP COVID-19 virus in him. He had the virus in him. He had fentanyl in him. He didn't have access to a great job because all the great manufacturing jobs are shipped off. Look, oh, oh. that's the tra- that's the Greek tragedy to me mm. of George Floyd is that he was in that position that day. And by the way, let's talk about the fake 20. 
Well, that's also the CCP, and we know that these foreign entities are putting out this fake money all the time with the opioids to do it. That, that was what the, the counterfeit bill was. I'll, I'll, Every I'll, aspect of his life driven by geopolitics that led to that. I'll issue one clarification. I think lab leak theory makes the most sense. We don't have any hard confirmation, but you saw John Stewart's rant for the longest time, you know, all last year. It was you'd get banned if you brought it up. Now, all of a sudden, the mainstream media is saying it. Even Fauci himself is saying he's not convinced the, the virus is naturally occurring. You had the emails that came out from Fauci himself, uh, from Fauci's uh, own email account where you can see some scientists saying they believe it was engineered. But I'll, I'll, I'll always Christian say, Anderson at, at, at Scripps on January 31st. Yeah, pretty early in the process. Absolutely. Said, John Stewart. And this is the power of John Stewart. He said he put it and look at Colbert's ridiculous <laughs> so response, awesome. a full meltdown. Mm-hmm. This shows you a hack. That's a political hack now versus a master. That was Zen master, the way he did that with the humor, but also in his grill that, you know, how dare you try to question it's obvious. And remember, let's talk about information warfare. Don't buy the concept or the nomenclature of lab leak, because what they want you to do is think that, hey, at worst case, it leaked out of a lab while they're, you know, they had the bats there and the bats. This was man enhanced. This was gain of function. They took these, they, they, they took these basic viruses and they weaponized them. They powered them up when they should not have been doing it. It shouldn't have been authorized. It shouldn't have been done. They shouldn't, they weren't supervised. We know that from the cables that came back from the Wuhan, from our guys in the State Department early on. This is not a lab leak because they want you to say a lab leak because they still want you to say it just came from a bat. We, we, this was powered up. It, 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 there was gain-of-function research at, at the Wuhan lab. Yes. Fauci was providing funding to EcoHealth Alliance, yes. which was used for gain-of-function. Yes. We now know that Google was involved in providing Wuhan-linked... Uh, 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 Don't say this. You're going to get banned. Th- this, I'll, is, I'll pull, this is a box. This is, this is, you're going to get banned. Well, well, now, well, we know, but, n- now we know Google the whole time had their hand in it. No conflict of interest. But I'll just say one thing. We, uh, however we get there, we do not yet ha- have hard confirmation... That it is true that it was, uh. Here's what we have hard confirmation of. We have hard confirmation that there is no evidence, zero evidence that it came from a cave in the Laotian border. It traveled one, if you've ever been to China, it traveled 1,000 miles from basically southern China, Laotian border to, to, to a wet market, right? And with the thousands and tens of thousands of villages through there, we don't have one farmer or one animal or one sickness, we have nothing until it gets to Wuhan. And there they said it was in a wet market, but they they they, they, they took the wet market and got all the evidence out of there, so they won. So what well, we do have part of evidence is there's nothing on, there's no counter theory to this. So let me uh, add, okay. we have this from nature.com, a NewsGuard certified source, as you can see here, 100 out of 100. Animal sales from Wuhan met markets immediately prior to the COVID pandemic, and they note in this study, no bats and no pangolins were sold. The Guardian also reported this. So I'm trying to be very careful because I yes, know that censorship's know. a real issue. Yes. Uh, that's why John Stewart comes out, says, now he went over the top with it, like, it's the seas yelling. And, Col- so and Colbert's yeah. response so was, good. when do you start working for Ron Johnson? That's the best you got. That's, that's insane. That's good. the best you it's, got. It's that's the best you got for me. Based on all of the evidence we have so far, this is the most likely outcome. But I want to – I don't want to say it's definitive because it's science and YouTube will, you know, whack Well, let me say, there's also many intelligence services and Sherry Markson has been some great investigative reports. There's a lot of intelligence services from throughout the world that are all on top of this. And Dr. Lee Min Yang is a defector. I, my group, nonprofit group at the time, helped get her out. She is – and people say, well, you know, her reports – leave the reports aside. 
She's a fact witness. A fact witness. She was at the, she was at the oversight lab in Hong Kong as one of the senior lab scientists. Because she was in the mainland, she was ordered by the lab, and she has it on WeChat, to make contact with Beijing CDC on the 31st of December of 2019 about a SARS breakout in Wuhan, China. And she's got the text of what they were told her at the time. Do you remember the uh, research paper that came out from, I think it was the South China University, yes. at where it, the, the, the author said that uh, some of the researchers were peed on by bats or bitten by them? Now, what's funny is that story was retracted. That, that study was retracted. They took it down and said it's not true. And I remember I covered it early on saying, oh, this is interesting because there was a lot of questions coming out. Even the Washington Post entertained lab leak theory at the time. Then the study gets retracted. The, you know, CCP says it's not true. It was wrong. And, and, and we all roll our eyes like, oh, okay. <laughs> These what, guys what, are all in camps on. now. What do we get from the Wall Street Journal only recently? Three individuals from the Wuhan Institute of Virology yeah. were hospitalized yeah. for some of these symptoms, yeah. and they were doing research on bats. We now know from Nature.com, from the scientific study, as reported by The Guardian as well, that they weren't selling bats or pangolins in the wet market. So as the best as we can say— Let me say something about The Wall Street <laughs> from Journal. The lab. That's another cover. The Wall Street Journal and Financial Times are nothing but the tip sheets for the globalists. That's a cover. Everybody, everybody in the intelligence community, everybody's following this, knew, knew about that story and knew what happened. This is no big, and they, they, they report it, and it's also this huge revelation. Maybe we have to reconsider the lab leak. Now, now well, why, well, why is that? They're looking they're, because they understand that all roads lead to Wuhan in a biological weapons program. Okay, the CCP has had four opportunities to say, hey, we're, we, we've signed off on the, on the biological weapons treaty, and we're not doing anything in these labs, right? Yet we know that the PLA, it runs the, the Wuhan lab. Okay, that everything there is part of a biological weapons program. When it got out of control, or they thought they were getting out of control, the major, the female major general was sent down to Ubei province in Wuhan to take command about the third week of January when they quarantined it, was this female major general. Her job in the PLA, biological warfare. Right? They, they went down, they knew they had a problem. And talk to the guys at Fort Detrick. I mean, this is kind of an open, well, this is why it's such a clown show, yeah. that this is an open secret among the people that have focused on this throughout the world, you can't hide it anymore. And for liabilities and everything else, you're going to see the mainstream media and all these guys saying, it's even Fauci, you know, I was always open-minded. Well, no, brother, you were not open-minded. Right. I'm, I'm just wondering why it is that all of a sudden the mainstream media is just saying, okay, lab leak. I mean, you got Because their lawyers are telling them, hey, we got a big problem. You've been shutting down Tim Pool. You've been shutting down guys on Twitter. You've been shutting down guys on Facebook. You're not having any conversations about either therapeutics or you're not having any conversations about what this is. Think about if we had had an adult conversation. Remember, we started war room pandemic on January 23rd, right? How did it be bad? Because I know China. I've lived there and I'm part of the, this, this opposition group with Miles Grow. We're up there when the, getting ready for our annual broadcast that we do every year for, for uh, Lunar New Year, for Chinese New Year. And, of course, the first day before that, they're going to have the big signing ceremony in the White House in the East Wing on the trade deal. So we're sitting there. And then afterwards, it's Kyle Bass and Bill Gertz. I mean, super hardcore, you know, anti-CCP guys. We're all going to be part of this traditional three-day broadcast. And Miles Gross tells us, oh, well, it, we're not doing the broadcast this year. And I go, why? He says, well, they're, they're going to shut down <laughs> Wuhan and Hubei. There's a SARS breakout. Wow. And they're not going to have Chinese New Year's. And I go, they're not going to have Chinese What do you mean they're not going to have They've canceled it. I said, when's the last time they canceled? I said, never. We've been around for 40,000 years. We've always had it. That's why I said, this is a big deal. So 
when I first started hearing a lot of these stories about the censorship, you know, they were saying, don't repeat these things about Lab League. They said Trump was racist for calling it the China virus and all that stuff. And Trump even said Kung flu. The, my, my, my instinct and a lot of people brought up is that the establishment elites are very favorable to China. They want to protect them. Now we have this inversion where the narrative is actually, oh, uh, the mainstream media is actually saying, yes, lab leak. And I'm wondering if the Biden administration, deep state, whatever you want to call it, do they want war with China? Why is it that last year they didn't, they didn't care? Was it because they hated Trump so much they wanted to look bad? Is it this year they're, they're, they're hoping that these conversations can lead to public? Okay. We are at war with China. They're at war with us. They're an information war. They're an economic war. They've infiltrated every institution in this nation. Our political class, Wall Street, they own Wall Street. They're in partnership with Wall Street, global corporations. China, the Chinese Communist Party, not the Chinese people, and not the nation of China. A transnational criminal organization that's just like the Soviets, just like the Nazis, just like the fascists. They're all criminal organizations. They're at war with the United States, and they've been at war with the United States. Information war and economic war. Remember, there's three parts of it. They don't want to fight kinetic. Because they think the foreign devils can beat them. But guess what? They're getting to the point if they have to in the South China Sea or if they have to in Taiwan, they're going to come a day that they're going to say, and that day is not too far off, we'll stand up. Biden is doing the minimum he has to because he's getting jammed up by working class Americans and other people saying the Chinese Communist Party is the problem here. And if we can't step back as adults and say this was an act of war. Whether they purposely released it or even if it inadvertently leaked, what they did in the days and weeks to follow, Peter Navarro walks you through it. They exacerbated the problem. They were having their citizens buy up PPE in various countries yep. and ship it back to China 100%, when they knew the problem 100%. To, by, by, by the way, one, to make it worse there. Number two, to have it use it strategically later on to say, come with us. Also, they were working on a vaccine. Dr. Li Min Yang says in 10,000 years, and the Chinese have been very advanced medically, they have never come up with a vaccine. How all of a sudden they pop up with a vaccine for, for regardless of his efficacy, and it ain't great. Right. How long were they working on this baby when all of a sudden it pops up in the spring and summer of 2020? Right. I want to I want to ask you, uh, going back to the fourth turning, because we're talking about the potential conflict. Now we're getting into the China war stuff. There's a recent report that the, the Pentagon has begun buying bombs for weapons for use in Pacific warfare as opposed to Middle Eastern, Middle Eastern warfare. We saw a report that the U.S. Air Force started spreading out its uh, its resources to various islands throughout the Pacific because they were concerned about single points of failure. And this was reported as being in preparation for a, st- a strike from China. Then we get China sending 28 warplanes, the most they've ever done into Taiwanese defensive airspace. Then we get, as an aside, sort of, uh, the Russian war games west of Hawaii. And I'm wondering if... In your face, by the way. Right, right, right. In right. your face. But, but here's, 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 what, here's what I'm thinking. The U.S. making these moves, we're watching that happen. Certainly other things have happened in this conflict that we wouldn't know about before it got to this point, right? I guess I'm wondering if these physical and overt signs we're seeing from the Chinese strike groups in the Taiwan Strait, these warplanes, to the U.S. making these moves are signs that it's become so obvious war is coming. They're making moves in our face. So I said back on Breitbart Radio in 15 when they had the problem with Japan. And remember, they cut the rare earths off. No. Yeah, yeah. They cut. So Japan, they had a problem with the in the East China Sea with with fishing trawlers and, and the fishing. I think it was, and the Chinese cut Japan off of rare earths, which means no semiconductor business, no electronics business. And I said at the time the Japanese worked it out. Okay, kind of kowtowed, and they worked it out. 
And I said about these islands are coming up, these artificial islands, that within five to eight years, if we don't stop these guys now with information economic warfare, we're going to be in a shooting war in the South China. I patrolled the South China Sea as a, as a young naval officer. The South China Sea is the most important body of water in the world. It connects the Persian Gulf, Straits of Malacca, with all the markets throughout Asia. It's central to the American economy. And quite frankly, Silicon Valley West, whether you have a, a, a you think you have a moral obligation to defend the free Chinese in Taiwan, you even if you don't think you have a moral obligation to defend the Judeo-Christian West, you have a hard economic interest. That Silicon Valley West, all of our advanced chip design is right there. We have to defend Taiwan, yeah. and we're being put, our backs being put up by the feckless nature of our elites. Let me just tell you this whole concept of the Thucydides trap. Okay, this is a concept that the elites believe. Henry Kissinger, who's Wan Shishan's best friend, right, the real hatchet man in China, that. Throughout history, like Sparta and Athens, you've had 15 times you had a declining power and a rising power. And, you know, 12 of the 15 times has been a global co conflict. But if the elites of the declining power are smart, you can kind of nudge the rising power in there and you can get them to, 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 oh. to live. I heard that it was um, a Jake Sullivan said after we won in 16. One of the things he was telling people, I think Fareed Zakhar told me this, that, that he had said, hey, the one thing that Bannon got right in this thing is that uh, we're not the declining power. Right. We're in decline by our managed lease, but we have all the cards right now. We yeah. have the capital markets. We have access to the dollar. We have access to our technology. You know, she when when Trump negotiated the big deal, the Lighthizer deal in 19, the spring of 19, that huge deal with the seven verticals that 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 Navarre talk about. And she and Wan Shishan reviewed that deal in, in April and May and came back and said, deal off, not doing it. Why, this, what, what well, the deal? They, the, the deal was basically it would restructure the Chinese economy to bring it into the to the world. It would stop their state-owned industries and really destroy the slave labor and make the whole the, – the, this deal was the best deal we would ever get with the Chinese to integrate them into the world economy. Lighthizer and Navarre negotiated it. The Chinese reviewed it. Li He was the guy. They went back and they looked at it, and they said, mm, you know, upon further review, this is a port treaty. If we do this, we will always be subservient to the West, and we're not going to do it. He told people internally. We are 20 years still behind the West. We have to steal most of the stuff. So we have to expedite this. We have to get on a five-year program because we're at war with these guys. And we're either going to kowtow to them or we're going to be able to stand up and we're going to be able to dictate the terms. And that's in the spring of 19. Is when, and this is, remember, uh, so many smart people uh, have said this, is that geopolitically the most important thing, they actually talked about technologically decoupling from America, that their own, they would build their, they would have their own Amazons and their own Googles, and they were techni they would not be, uh, they would not be for our chip design and all the advanced engineering that we do that they still need. They said, we're going to get all off of this because we still kowtow to the West. So does, that spring of 19 is one of the biggest inflection points in this conflict, right? And everything Biden's doing today is all just this. It's just all happy talk. You, you saw the meeting with uh, Blinken yes. where China said you're not in a position of strength. You know, you, you are not coming to us from, from a position of strength. So I guess just to reiterate, um, you mentioned we may come to the point where there's a kinetic war. Let's talk, do, let's, do, let's talk about the Blinken meeting because they're all about face and formality. We, Tony Blinken had, you know, and by the way, he's totally compromised. He was part of the University of Pennsylvania and Harvard and these things. Jake Sullivan taking money left and right from the Chinese Communist Party to fund these Ivy League universities. It's a disgrace. And I say that somebody's a Harvard graduate. It's a disgrace. You're taking blood money from Lao Beijing. From the, the money doesn't come for free. It comes off the sweat 
of the China, the decent, some of the most decent people on this earth. That's where the money comes from. The criminal class on Wall Street that's in business with them and the universities to take that money. Blinken reads his little two minute formal thing. Da, 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 da. A Tiger Yang sits there for 20 minutes and lectures him. You're That's not right. telling us what to do. You have no moral authority what to do. And the reason they're able to lecture is they don't fear our elites. They don't fear our elites. And that, I'm telling you, symbolically throughout the world, everybody took notice of that. Because the Biden administration, what he should have done is said, hey, thank you very much. He should have called Biden, Biden and said, get the plane on and come home. No more meeting, no more talk. This is the humiliation of the West. They know our elites are feckless. They know they're weak. And more importantly, they know that they're bought in. We're a tributary state right now. We ship the, the trade deficit this year is going to be a trillion dollars. We're financing their military. We're financing their attack on us. Well, here's what happens. We ship over uh, raw materials and beef and soybeans and timber and coal and, 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 and oil and all that. And they ship back advanced manufacturing products that should be here in the United States of America. And guess what? They may cost a little bit. Is that the end of the world? Is the end of the world that this thing's going to cost a little bit more? Is the end of the world that the product, if you've got good paying jobs and families with good paying jobs, right? And the wife, if she doesn't want to, doesn't have to work, but can sit home and raise three, four or five kids. Okay. Is that, is there some law of physics that says that it's, it's terrible to have to pay more for products? No, it is not. No. If wages rise, this is the central dilemma. Our elites are compromised. They're weak. And our enemy, the biggest existential threat we've ever had in the nation's history, understands that they're weak and feckless and understands they've been bought and compromised. You, you, so you, you've mentioned their compromise. Is it possible then that they're just fumbling on purpose so that we avoid Thucydides' trap and China just kind of wedges their way in and we falter? I think it's, I think it's not fumbling on purpose. I think it's part of the, they don't want to confront anybody. Look at Henry, Henry Christian now warning us about a Cold War. We're not in a Cold War. War is three parts, as they tell us in unrestricted warfare. You have an information part slash cyber and an economic part in kinetic. They're at hot war with us on information warfare and cyber. They're at a hot war with us on economics. Okay. That is a hot, not a cold war. That's a hot war. Thank God we haven't slipped to the inexorably slipped to the kinetic war. You know why? Here's who's going to pay for it. The kids, the people in my destroyer were all working class people. That's who's going to pay for it. The same people that are buried in every patriot grave in every battlefield throughout the world okay in world war one in world war two in vietnam and korea the same working class people who who thanklessly and it was thankless okay had to go over there and take care of all these messes europe got in all these messes that communism drove right think think of the the quality of individual that served and dedicated and went and fought for this country with no thanks and don't tell me oh the veterans thank you for your service they they're gone their futures are gone their children are gone they were destroyed crushed right that's the kinetic war we're shipping and every veteran knows that they understand what's those bombers coming over then when russia sends a fleet off of, off of the West Coast, off of Pearl Harbor, is doing exercises in what's called the Hawaiian Op Area, and that's where the U.S. Navy transitions. The third fleet goes to the seventh fleet. You work up. The Russians are right there because they're in your face. You know why? They understand our elites are weak, and they will not push back. You want to you wanna know something interesting I heard, and uh, maybe it's not true, but uh, I think it's true. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. 
That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. That exemplifies what you're saying about the working class being the ones who go off and die. You know why Smith is the most common last name? Or at least in the West. Uh, so Smith, Schmidt, etc. When wars broke out, the Smiths wouldn't go to war. They would stay and make weapons. And when a country was captured, the Smiths wouldn't be executed. They would use their knowledge of making weapons to empower their conquerors. So naturally, those last name Smith were more likely to survive. The people who don't go to war, surprisingly, the ones who make the weapons are the ones who continue to live on and expand. And I mean, no disrespect to anybody named Smith. I'm just pointing out that a lot of people are used for cannon fodder by the wealthy elites and the military industrial complex who are the modern blacksmiths. If you want to see anything more than this, look at the disaster in the 20s. We're supposed to be a great power. Here's what a great power we are. Our elites sent us to these Middle Eastern wars that were wars of choice. You could have cut, as, as Trump showed with ISIS, you go in there, that... That state that had, had come up between Syria and Iraq was more vibrant, more robust. He sent, you know, with Mattis, they, and we got the, 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 the local guys also to do the fighting, the, 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 the militias, but we destroyed ISIS, the physical caliphate in what, a year, year and a half? These wars of choice have cost us, according to Brown University, what, nine, tr- the net present value is nine trillion dollars. Now please, imagine what this nation would be like. If you had taken that nine trillion dollars and you put it into St. Louis, you put it into Detroit, you put it for, with advanced manufacturing jobs, what this would be paradise on earth. Yet we have ten thousand dead, all almost to a person, working class and middle class people. We have another what thirty or forty thousand horrible injuries, and how many PTSDs? There's forty veterans a day killing themselves, killing uh-huh. themselves. These casualties of war is because a neocon neoliberal elite whose children do not fight these wars. Send everybody else out to fight them. How many years did we hear about the pipes in Flint that didn't get fixed? My understanding is at the end of last year, they actually repaired them. Things are better. And I I just said this. I was like, hey, here's here's a compromise. We end the war. Stop spending money over there and just fix the pipes in Flint. Everyone's happy, right? Why can't that stuff get done? Because they, 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 they want to be a global cop everywhere. When President Trump, one of the things before I left the White House was fighting over Afghanistan. And look, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a proud veteran. I, I'm a patriot. I'm a, I love the military. But I don't love the military to be used to destroy it. And you're in Afghanistan now for 20 years. If you add up the combat history of the revolution, the Civil War, World War I, World War II, we're there in one place longer than the combat history of everything. It's a forever war. And they, I saw the way it worked. They lied to President Trump. I said, there, show us the number. Oh, it's going to be $10 billion. No, it's 42 or $52 billion. I, said, I go around and give speeches. Would you, if you're in St. Louis, would you rather have give them $10 billion to do whatever they want and let them steal it all? But take the other $32 billion and let's put it back in St. Louis for a year. Everybody vote for that? Unanimous. But first off, of the $9 trillion, let's go to Afghanistan. I want to see the roads. I want to see the schools for little girls. I want to see the hospitals because it yeah. must be nirvana. Huh. Everybody should want to move to Afghanistan. Yeah. We asked them, show me the use of pro- – I got the taxpayer paid the two, the $9 trillion, right? And part of it's net preservation, but the cash money, three, four, five trillion dollars trillion dollars trillion. Just show me the photographs. Where are they? Oh, bah, 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 bah. you can't do it. They can't do it. They can't. The place is still, as President Trump would say, a I, shithole. Right? I, I, yeah. yeah. Yes. Sorry about that for your thing. But no. Because, and hey, because they've stolen it and they've grown. The poppies are bigger than ever. 
This is right. what is not a great power runs itself. And yet, what are they doing? You got to stay in the Lindsey Graham. You got to stay in there. You got to do this. You got to do that. No, you don't. You got to come home and then you got to tell them if any type of terrorism or terrorism networks were going to come in and destroy it, no questions asked. Okay, we're going to start acting like adults and stop acting like children. And that's what these neoliberal neocons draft off of. I heard that one of the first things Donald Trump did when he got in was he said, I want I want Afghanistan over within like the first few months. Is that true? First two days. First two days. I want a plan to get out of Afghanistan, and I'm going to get out of Afghanistan. And by the way. And Why so, didn't it happen? The poppies. The heroin and the opiates. You're there. Why didn't The day I left is the day they had the last meeting because they sat there with President Trump said, no, the Taliban, they're going to do this. They're going to do that. They're going to come back. You just look at everything. And also you go back and say, hey. Let me see the presentations that were made to the commander in chiefs because we've been here through all of Bush and Obama. Right. I want to see the presentations that were made at the at the critical inflection points. It's always the same presentation in 18 months. It's better. Right. It's always an 18 month. You know, it's the projections. They're going up like every 18 months. We're out. It's all. First off, it's gross incompetence. Mm. Number two, it's also corruption. And number three, it's also the mindset of the elites. There's no will to win because they want to be there. They want to be in 140 countries. They want to be everywhere. Power corrupts and absolute power it corrupts. We were never set up to be an empire. The great thing of our revolutionary generation, and that's what I love about the millennials on the left and the right, the populists on the left and the right, they have a revolutionary spirit that things have to change. That's what drove the revolutionary generation to go against the aristocracies of the world and the divine right of kings, that people can actually govern themselves. The consent of the governs everything. And this is what Afghanistan showed. No, the elites want us to be there and we're going to be there. Was Trump able to stamp the paper and say, we're done, we're out? Did, what was at the it end, was, at the end was it ultimately and not not they, in 17 they they misrepresented and lied to him and said we got to be in and but that, this, compromised this, this is what i'm asking did trump say oh okay i guess we have to stay i i wasn't there for the final meeting but the meetings leading up to that when they kind of put me back on the national security council and say let's come up with three alternatives the alternatives is that withdraw immediately add troops which the staying was actually adding people okay in the middle was let's get a paramilitary cia bad hombres, special forces that stay in for some reduced, get big army out of there, some reduced thing to kill bad guys and to make sure they can't do terrorist things. And that middle ground was not selected. It was selected to be that with a plan to come back and withdraw. President Trump at the end of it, in a couple of years, finally said, I've had enough of this. We're coming home. And I think it's the reason they lied to him and they blocked him. They, They listen, the apparatus. And this is why. And look, I'm a huge believer in the military. There's something seriously wrong with the national security state. There's something wrong with the FBI. There's something wrong with the CIA. The national security apparatus is all powerful. We need a church commission. We need to immediately have people in the in Congress with others sit there and review the FBI, the CIA, and DOD. We got to get to the bottom of what our purpose is, what we're trying to do, what's acceptable to do against American citizens in the United States, right? what it's acceptable to do overseas, and what our whole purpose is right now, particularly when we have an existential threat in the Chinese Communist Party. It's not like, hey, we get a free pass and we can kind of rethink this. Remember, if you think about it for a second, just look at the world geopolitically. Western Europe, just go around the world island. Western Europe, the Persian Gulf, the South China Sea, and then up to, if you think about a map, up to northwest around Japan and Korea. Okay, There's four hotspots around the world island, which traditionally in the post-war uh, World War II world is where we kind of structure this. If you look at those sections, it's a combination in every area of capital markets, 
commercial relationships, trade deals, right? And an American security guarantee. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. NATO yeah. does it. Come on. The, the NATO's Israel. Doing it. It's built as a security for the Suez Canal, basically. It, 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 the state of Israel is our partner, but that whole area and try to get UAE and, 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 and Saudi Arabia against, obviously, Iran, which is partners with China. But my point is, it's capital markets, trade deals, commercial relationships, and an American security guarantee in all four of them. Trump's thing was, hey, it's time for locally, you got to step up to the plate. The U.S. taxpayer, and particularly the deplorable, remember, it's their kids down on the border in Ukraine. It's their kids in the Hindu Kush on patrol. It's their kids on patrol in the South China Sea. And it's their kids up on the 28th or 38th parallel in Korea. It's the working class people in this country's taxes. And it's their children that are doing this. And that's why I think people said, hey, we've got to do a big rethink here. Why is NATO getting a free pass? I'm a big believer in NATO, but you've got to pull your weight. Why do the Germans pay under 1% of, of, they pay, our supplemental bill that Trump put forward in 17 when we first got there to take care of maintenance was bigger than the entire German uh, defense budget. Germany's economy is what, four or five trillion dollars? It was one third of what ours was. And, and our thing was 780 billion to a trillion dollars. Theirs is 35 or 40 trillion it's billion. The, right? the global banks, Bank of International Settlements have basically co-opted the United States government. It's like a, a parasite causing us to print with this fiat unlimited money to fund an unlimited war. They're using this this American system. I wouldn't but I wouldn't say it's the BIS. I think it's the capital markets. I think it's Wall Street, the city of London. And and, and you're absolutely correct. Their their objectives now is, and that's why it's doing. It's just to continue to print money. Continue to print money. That's what's leading to the destruction of the U.S. dollar. That's why people got to start looking at alternative investments. You got and, and and I'm not a prepper. But you would be a fool. You would let yourself down. You would not do the fiduciary responsibility to yourself or your family if you don't start looking at alternatives that could happen. Right? You saw this with the collapse of the, the energy situation in Texas, the fuel situation. You have, you have to, right now, to protect yourself and your family, you have to say, hey, I'm not a prepper because the preppers get a little scary for me, right? But I got as a logical person, I got to think about food. I got to think about energy. I got to think about gold. I got to think about crypto. I got to think about every other possibility, including what I normally do in my normal life. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you something. We have a, we have a sponsor. We do the, uh, uh, my Patriot Supply, yeah. safeandreadymeals.com. We promo them every so often. And these are these food bins. They last for 25 years. You crack them open. And uh, this is not a promo. I'm just explaining what it is because this is, this is relevant. We, we had a storm come through here a couple weeks ago. All the power was out for, I think, like eight hours. We did the show. Why? I have backup batteries. We have small, portable backup batteries that we immediately brought upstairs. We had like, I think we have like eight of them or more. And we plugged them all in and everything ran just fine. It was really hot because you can't really do air conditioning with it. But we managed to do the show and like we had some light, but we made it work. Why? Sometimes it rains. And when it happens, sometimes a power line goes down. So having backup batteries is not prepping necessarily. I guess you are prepping. But when we, when I promo these food bins periodically, maybe like once a month or a couple times every other month, the leftists, many of these like left establishment pro, like I shouldn't say leftists. I, I always try to differentiate between 
economic leftists and like establishment individuals. They just make a game of haha, Tim's so dumb, he's selling these bins. And I'm like, let me let me ask you something. It's like you have a first aid kit in your house? Do you know where it is? A lot of people will say, I do have it, I don't know where it is. Why? Because you never really use it. But you have it. You eat food every day. This is what's crazy to me that we're in this period where you have people shaming others for preparing for what could be a major crisis, especially when we're talking about the fourth turning or Thucydides trap. I'm like, am I going to fill up an underground bunker with like, you know, a hundred years worth of food? No, but I'll get a bunch of, you know, 30 year food bins. We got a lot of employees here and then we'll have food. Why? Your worst case scenario is you eat it. It's it's it lasts forever. So you have food. But there are people who genuinely shame others for the idea that something bad might happen, like, I don't know, a tornado. Tornado just hit Chicago. You see that? I had people hit me up. No joke. A tornado actually landed in Chicago suburbs. All my life, it's always been warnings. Never actually hit. I saw a photo of it. I was, I was surprised. And people are trapped in their homes and they have no food. These things happen. But there are people that are indoctrinated by the media, by this narrative that preppers are all insane, so you should not be prepared for a disaster. That's what I'm saying. The financial literacy, we just picked up my, uh, my Patriot Supply about a month ago. We do it once a week or something. But the reason that attracted it to me, if you just look at the logic, why would you not have a 30-day food supply? Given things that happen in Texas, given the things that happen on the East Coast with the gasoline, today, that's what I'm saying. Just step back for a second because they do make the preppers out to be, to be, you know, to be crazy. But just step back and, and, and just look at the facts. Why would you not have a backup generator? Why would you not have a 30-day food supply? Why would you not do the logical things that would put you in a position that you wouldn't have to sit there and wait for government to come and help you? God bless the guys at FEMA. They do a, men and women at FEMA do a fantastic job. But you can't sit there and go, I'm waiting on FEMA. You've got right. to be in this day and age at least to, to, to have some modicum of support. You know what I find fascinating? We mentioned this the other day in the bonus segment at TBS.com. The people in the cities tend to be more liberal. They tend to be the ones uh, very, very concerned about climate change. They also tend to be the ones that are the least self-sufficient and self, uh, self-sustaining and the least likely to actually uh, recycle and compost. And you look at conservatives, live in, more likely to live in rural areas, much less likely to be concerned about climate change, much more likely to have their own farms, their own gardens, their own goats, their own chickens to compost and consume less and have their own backup generators and produce wind or solar. It's fascinating, isn't it? It is. That's what I think the real thing of being a conservative is, is to conserve, right? To know yes. how to live, to know how to live. I think right? the media is the problem. The media whips everybody into a frenzy. Everybody fights. I think we're guilty of it to a certain degree. And it's a it's hard not the media. No, the media is it's different, though. I, and I think Marshall McLuhan, Marshall McLuhan said this, this is why I keep saying Trump is the first McLuhan S president, maybe Obama, is that. What McLuhan said back in, in the in the 50s, right, it was at Washington University in St. Louis. He was a theoretician. He said, hey, this was just with radio and movies and TV was just starting. He said, this thing of mass communications is so powerful, it's going to overtake evolutionary you know, biology. It's going to start to be the thing that drives the evolution of man, that it's going to so incul- incorporate so much, right? And that's what you have today. You live in a, in a world of not just media, it, it permeates everything. That's why I said at the time, the opposition party is not the Democrats, the opposition party is the media. Yep. They're, they're more powerful. They're more in every aspect of it. They, and just look what's happened over the last couple of years, particularly with things like the CCP virus, the virus from Wuhan, things like, uh, you know, other aspects. I think, and I'm a big elections guy, but things happen there that you have these narratives and you can't go across. You know, Miles Gross said, told me a couple of years ago, he says, 
nuclear weapons are not the most powerful weapons in the world anymore. And I go, what do you mean? He says, it's social media. I go, Miles, what are you talking about? He said, if, if D.C. was hit with a nuclear weapon, Trump or whoever was president go in the bunker, hit back with other nuclear weapons. They can disappear you. They can disappear you by shutting you off all sorts of... This was years before Trump was back. And I said, you're crazy. He goes, it's more powerful because media permeates everything. Nuclear weapons is just a weapon. This is fascinating. Uh, when we had Ben Stewart on the show talking about the fourth turning, he mentioned that the theory suggests the most powerful weapons of the time will be used in the great in the crisis. And the concern was nuclear weapons. And my immediate thought was it's social media. Social media. You you have you ever played the game Civilization? Sid no. Meier Civilization? No. Ian, I know. I you. love it. Yeah, yeah, amazing game. game. You basically you start from nomadic little tribesmen, settlers, and you build civilization, you develop technology, and then the game comes to an end when you have massive countries, borders are pressing upon borders. It's a brilliant game. I think kids should have to play it in school because it teaches you a lot. But one of the most interesting things is how you can win a, a cultural victory. There's several ways to win. You can take everybody over with force. You can colonize other planets. Or there's a cultural victory where your influence spreads so far and wide, people just start joining your country. You can, in, in the game, you can actually take over cities and their borders by producing so much culture that the people now feel more represented by you and your way of life than their own country. Imagine what happens when the NBA and Blizzard, these video games, are all now defending the CCP, 100%. mocking Hong Kong, not letting you buy free Hong Kong gear. That's what we're experiencing. For those that understand video games, China is going for the cultural victory here, and it's working out fairly well for them for the time being. 100%. Not even a question. That's yeah. why we've got, This is why this fight is right now, and it's a fight that's information, which is part of the cultural Right. And economic. And it's a hot war. It's a hot war, not, not well, a cold war. I'll, 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 before we go into Super Chats, I'll say one more thing. If that's hot war, then we're in a hot civil war. Trump supporters being banned and purged. Some of the highest profile supporters of, 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 the, of the man have been completely removed. Working class individuals who say learn to code to mock the idea they should give up their jobs and go work in a different industry are all purged. That is the information warfare. The things we can't say on this show will get banned. But hey, I, I, I can do a debate with Jack Dorsey and Vijay Gade on the Joe Rogan podcast where I can show them an example of Antifa advocating for extreme violence and they won't remove it. But a Trump supporter can make a joke and they're gone. So that is information warfare. But that's economic. They've started banning conservatives. 100%. There's bank accounts. Oh, yeah. Deplatforming, definancing, de de all of that. Cutting off and credit we've cards. seen physical violence and people killed. So it may be the cusp of kinetic warfare. I hope it doesn't proceed further. Here's the thing, is that we can color inside the lines and win this. There's a realignment. And I think we're going to be able to prove at the end of the day that this vote count on November 3rd, and to me, that's one of the only things that matter. All this other nonsense about you know vo more voting laws and all this different stuff is a misdirection play in a way for the Republicans and the RNC to raise money. you got to get to the bottom, just like in Wuhan lab, you got to get to the bottom of November 3rd, and you got to get there with facts. Facts, hard fact, evidence and facts. And I think you're going to see what I say. There's well, already been a well, realignment. Well, I'm not going to say the magic word because I don't we'll know. We'll save that for after the show. No, but my point is, is that this, there's been a realignment in this country. Look at, look at, look at the Rio Grande Valley. The smart, I think it's Henry Gonzalez, the smart old uh, Democrat in, in South Texas. He's sitting there going, waving the flag saying, guys, if you don't get down here with real policies, the Republicans are going to start sweeping Hispanic Southern Texas, South Texas, that's going to happen. You're seeing a realignment. Was it 14% or 15%? I forget the number of African-American males voted for Trump. 
You're seeing yeah. a realignment. It's before you. And don't buy all the stuff you see on MSNBC and all that. There's a realignment of working class people and middle class people to their economic interest. Right, their economic interests to say, hey, look, I like these policies. I don't like the globalists. I don't like the open borders. I do. Bernie's right. It is a Koch brothers program with these open borders, right? Although Bernie, for political expediency, right, expediency, said the opposite. It's one of the reasons he's not president of the United States when he very much could have been president in either 16 or in 20. So I think there's been a realignment. It's going to be even bigger. And I'm telling you, this coalition of working class and middle class people based around populism and economic nationalism, is going to govern this country for a 100 years. And we're going to have the fight is not between each other. The fight is between a corrupt and distant elite, woke globalist elite, and the working class and middle class people in this yeah, country. I don't think we gotta, you can't go at China and defeat them like that. It's like two, two rocket ships, each traveling. And our goal is, which can be the better rocket ship? You don't want to ram into them and destroy. You want to get there faster, better. We need a new industry. You guys talk about industry a few times on this. And have you heard of graphene? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Graphene is the 21st century sure. steel. Yes. If the United States retrofits yes. their economy yes. to build graphene yes. fast, quick, cheap, sell yes. it across the world. Yes. I think what we can do, let me know what you think about this. Set up a 15-year plan where we build like a university where we taxpayer funded to go learn how to make graphene. After 15 years, we make it a utility. And all the graphene that's produced there is then free for the citizens to utilize. So like the roads, lower the taxes on the roads. You put it in car bodies. And yeah. The cars are cheaper now. It, so, actually, this is, this is fascinating. So carbonizing batteries yes, yes. with graphene so yeah. they can charge faster. But this, let's take what the CCP did. They announced 10 years ago called Made in China 2025, right? And they were going to dominate 10 industries, right? And the industries, they said advanced chip design, Artificial intelligence, robotics, biotechnology. They just go down and say, and by the way, all of those combined lead to the fourth industrial revolution. And they made a national commitment to do it. We can do that. People say you can't. Yes, we can make a national commitment to be, have national champions and dominate those industries and have our allies. We haven't had the political will because Wall Street and the global corporations own our political class, okay? Our political class and our political class, Kaltos, they'd rather have China have it because then they got all the slave labor of the poor Chinese to support that, yep. okay? And this is the problem. Those things and graphene, all that would be part of it, right? We should be the leaders in all of that. We're the leaders in R&D and in applied research, but we let it be made everywhere else. And the great thing of Wall Street says, oh, if you do the R&D and you do all that, you're going to create, well, you create the value to a very small band of folks, not to the, not to the, to, to, to the great bulk of society. We have to return all that. We have to take their made in China 2025, say, hey, how about this? Made in America. 2025. Mike, the oligarchs, the they run the copper industry, basically. They don't want to lose the, the monopoly on the wire industry, the wires. Copper wires is like a huge. And the coal and oil, they don't want to lose it to graphene. So it's a, it's a it should be mainstream media. This is the thing. This is pure carbon. I mean, this this is it. And hydrogen. I mean, also the hydrogen. I agree with you. By the way, I agree with you. That, but to me, that's also got to be a driving force. You got to, you've got to get people aware of that. You got to start pushing it. You got to start talking about it every day. I mean, you're clearly very, uh, very enthusiastic about it. That enthusiasm's got to get out there and get into the capital markets. Right now, it's looked at. Let's do the advanced R and D, and we'll let China go make it. Right, and we'll let China have that high value added jobs, not pay any of the Chinese for it. We're still going to use them as slave labor, and that's the way we keep. 
keep uh, wages down throughout the world. And that's so, not a conspiracy. Dems just happens to be the way the system works. Let's jump over to the Super Chats to see what the uh, the audience and the questions for many of these individuals here. And then uh, as for the more spicier conversations, go to TimCast.com, become a member, because after we wrap up here, about a half an hour or so, we're going to carry on the conversation, which should be published around 11 p.m. And then we're going to ask a bunch of the questions that, you know, YouTube would ban us for, because uh, that's the way the uh, the information warfare works. So you can check it out at TimCast.com. Smash the like button, subscribe to this channel, share the show, and let's read. All right, let's see. Um, all right, what do we got? Brian Fontenot says, you don't read Seeking Alpha for the articles. You'll read it for the comments. Long AMD. All right. Dr. Rollergator says, if I were a chief strategist and I spent two months in the NSC, I would look up all sorts of intelligence that might be useful for parallel construction when I leave the White House. But maybe that's just me. How about you? Parallel construction? I'm not, yeah, that? I'm not familiar. It's like building the things they're working uh, So you know about all the aliens, I guess, but you just can't tell us? I think the question about the aliens is why is this information coming out right now? Yes. Thank we're you. we're going to have one of the uh, look this is a very serious topic. This is a very serious topic. Um we're going to have one of the congressmen the Republican congressmen on the show at, for a whole hour on Thursday cuz I want to go through this. This is a very serious topic, but I think that hey we got a dumpster fire right now in the country. Why is the timing particularly since I don't think that much has been added in knowledge since I was there in 17, right? I, I, I'm interested to see that. But the question is, why now? It's a Like I said, this is a serious topic, and people have to address it as a serious topic. One of the things, let me just step back for a second, besides UFOs, let's go back to that Chinese made in China 2025. The bigger threat and the real reason I'm a populist, I said this at a speech years ago and a couple of years ago in Italy, the convergence of these technologies, the convergence of advanced chip design, artificial intelligence or artificial general intelligence, robotics or regenerative robotics, and and, and basically biotechnology or gene splicing. The convergence of those technologies is going to lead to what's called the singularity, and then that's going to lead to what is transhumanism. It's going to be post-homo sapien. Now, that fact. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. That fact is going to happen in the lived experience of people listening and watching the show today. Okay? Won't be me, but it'll be others. That is going to be the central inflection point in mankind. Right? That we know is coming. Because we can see where these things are, and that is completely unregulated, totally not talked about. Your tax dials are paying for a lot of the stuff in DARPA of this research that's going on. And nobody, the elites in the world, do not want this discussed whatsoever. It's one of the reasons in this new theology of scientism, they do not want the barbarians getting to the, te- to the temple that is 
the Wuhan laboratory. They don't want any of the barbarians to ever question what the high priests say about the temple that are these research labs. And to me, this is one of the new, and it's going to come, it's going to be forced by a populist movement in this country this summer when the mothers of America, many of whom hate the name Donald Trump, many of whom voted against Donald Trump, many of whom are progressives and they and their husbands got vaccinated, when they get back to school in basically mid-August, and according to Fauci, to get to herd immunity, we have to vaccinate the school children, okay, not just the adolescents, but the kids from babies to, to 10 or 11. When those vaccines are going to be put forward, and people know if your kids aren't vaccinated, they're going to be put over here in this corner. This is going to be a firestorm, and that ties back to this whole system of the scientific kind of priest caste that kind of does this without anybody questioning it. And i got to tell you, this situation of transhumanism, if we allow, as people of the world, and particularly people of the United States, to allow what's happening there, the same way globalization just kind of came about, and all of a sudden it was a thing after 30 or 40 years of being told, da 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 and all of a sudden you had this system that was in place, and now you've got to go out and strike against it to dismantle it because it's destroying working-class people. If the same thing happens with the conversion of these technologies and we're just asleep, trust me, the, 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 because right now you can see with artificial intelligence, the jobs and the jobs that get crushed are working-class jobs. All right, let's see. Uh, King Tesseract says, Tim, you just don't get it. Quote, don't subsidize those that hate you. That's the point of neoliberalism. The entire economy gives the left free power. When the Dems embraced Alinskyism, Society itself was poisoned forever. Smart. I'm not familiar with Alinskyism. What is that? Saul Alinsky. Rules for radicals. Rules for radicals. Brilliant. But you got to read it. Brilliant. It's 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 brilliant. That in the little, little red book shows you how the the Frankfurt School, the cultural Marxists, are going to take over. Saul Alinsky's a hammer. We need we, Saul, have, we need Saul Alinsky's on the right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, that's Tim Pool. Mm-hmm. Is it? I don't know, but I want you. To, <laughs> I want you to be. T- you're tough on Brian. Well, we I, need. Uh, by the way. Stacey Abrams and, and, and hey, I, I admire him. I want a Stacey Abrams on the right. I want people that are fighters and she will not back down. The problem we have on the right is too many of these feckless pencil neck politicians will not stand up and fight. They don't want to be called racist. They don't want to be. They want to be in the club. They want to go to the country club. They want to go in the nice restaurants. Well, yeah, hey, in this day and age. You can't do that. You got to be able to fight. They care more about what the New York Times thinks of them than their own constituents. Amen. I saw that on Twitter, but uh, we, we got to try and read. Yeah, it let's many go. Let's rock and roll. Bobby Bob says, "What do you think the reaction to a Trump twenty twenty four win will be?" Uh, it'll be tough. But what about a? Tr- no, I can't say that. We'll have to wait to. <laughs> what about it? Uh, was there a loss in twenty twenty? Are you saying no? Um, Trump's. First off, we're going to take the midterms in 2022. With uh, We won 62 seats in, in 2010 with the Tea Party revolt. This is the Tea Party to the 10th power. We're going to win 40 to 50 seats in 2022. And Trump is going to have a sweeping victory in 2024. And the left is just going to have to deal with it. Is it going, to be, tell you, is it, is, is going to be Trump DeSantis? I have no earthy idea. It'll be, But it'll be Trump. I have no earthy idea who the, who the VP will be. I think it'll be Trump. I, I'm kind of feeling Dave DeSantis. Smith. He's got a lot of uh, <laughs> Dave. You know Dave Smith, Libertarian Party. Yeah, sure. What do you think about Dave? I'm not a Libertarian. Ah, I'm not a Libertarian. I just I'm want to an, bring I'm, everybody I'm, together. I'm, I'm, a, I'm an anti-Libertarian. Can we actually because the Libertarians, Cokes are Libertarians. They yeah, believe in open borders and they believe in free flow of capital. But you and mean, I don't believe you mean in either. Big L Libertarian, like the Libertarian Party. I mean the concept of the Libertarian. You tell me what else it is besides besides Just li- li- on the political spectrum. Libertarian meaning less fo- like there's authoritarianism and libertarianism. Libertarianism is focused on the individual and freedom. 
things like that, whereas authoritarianism is the hierarchies control the system, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, I like that part of the little L, but the problem is it gets translated into open exactly. borders and, and, and free flow of capital. I'm not well, free well, the one. The, there's, there's, a, there's an interesting debate between libertarians, like big L libertarian, as to whether they're open borders or closed borders. There are a lot of libertarians that say borders are imaginary lines, you're crazy, but there are a lot of libertarians that say, how can you even maintain your freedoms without defending where your freedoms are. I've got to meet those libertarians. <laughs> they just, they is, yeah. Are they? Okay, well, then those this are good is, guys. This is one of the problems with the libertarian party is that you have a guy get up on stage and take his pants off because yeah. he thinks libertarian means he can do whatever he wants. You Libertine. Have, right, 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 right. I, I was studying the Spanish-American War, 1898. The Spanish Empire basically controlled Cuba, and the Americans decided to liberate Cuba, and they were like, we're not going to take Cuba. We're just going to liberate it. So they did. And then a dictator took over. So, like, is there a point where liberating a country and just letting it go is detrimental? Like, you're saying government oversight is important. You want big L libertarians to laissez-faire. You know, corporations will take over. But at some point, do you use the militant arm of force to keep people free? I, I hate imperialism. But letting Castro, letting that country go independent and then Castro seizes command is like, I don't, I hate that too. So, is this well, actually, the ever balance? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if you want to address that. It has to be a balance. I mean, you got to, to me, you've got, and I don't know about going and, 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 and liberating people. People have to want to liberate themselves. One of the things we've seen in Afghanistan, they don't really want democracy as we define it. Yet you've had these globalists in there for 20 years, always want to do the elections, and it's, it's not working, right? We're trying to force on them our system. People have to want to want that system, right? They, and have to fight for it. Everybody's got to fight eventually for their freedom. Right, I think. And, and if we're there to assist in certain situations, then we're there to assist. But I think we got to be very – remember, the founders said don't go throughout the world looking for dragons to slay. There's enough dragons here. Here's the tough question. In the Civil War, Abraham Lincoln did a lot of questionably authoritarian things, right? Suspension of He was babies. a warlord. Right. Suspension Not questionable. Babies. He was a warlord. Sure, sure, sure. So, yep. uh, suspension of habeas That's corpus. That's what it took to destroy. Look, Sherman told him, you're going to have to burn the South to the ground. And he did. To win. He tried it. For, no, they tried it first to do the army, you know, to do the army, to beat an army and stuff like that. And eventually he understood Sherman, who they thought was crazy at the beginning, was right. You're going to have to, de- you're gonna, to defeat the plantationist aristocracy in the South, giving the fighting spirit of the South. And they had their dander up. You're going to have to go in and burn the South to the ground. Columbia, South Carolina, Charleston, South Carolina, Richmond, Virginia, Atlanta, Georgia, right? The remember, March to the Sea. The March we, to, we talked about it recently. In 18, it, look, remember, people forget this. Lincoln did not run as a Republican in 1864. He ran as on the National Union Party. He had to reach out to a Democrat, which was Andrew Johnson, who was at East Tennessee. Remember, East Tennessee, the Scottish Highlanders up there, did not truck with the plantation aristocracy. They wanted to break off. So he ran as a joint thing up until the fall of Atlanta in, on September 1st, 1864. Lincoln was losing to McClellan, who had been his, you know, this thing. And he yeah. thought this thing was over, actually signed a thing to his cabinet, says, if I'm, when I'm defeated, I don't know if I'm turning power over in March because I'm going to finish, we're going to finish this rebellion on my watch. So you had that. Then you also had things in like World War II, like the U.S. Office of Censorship, right? A yeah. lot of suspension of civil liberties when it comes to, 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 to warfare. So when dealing with the internal conflict we face or the potential war with China, is it just reality that people are going to be faced with sacrificing civil liberties when war breaks out? Well, war is already broken out, and I think you're already facing civil liberty charges. Look at right. – up until the last two weeks – 
if you mentioned Wuhan lab or the CCP or that it came or something like that, you're banned from oh, tw- we're, we're close to it anyway. Well, the reason we yeah. got banned for Twitter, I don't ha- I've never had a Twitter account. There's dozens of fake accounts. I've never had a Twitter account. War Room Pandemic had a Twitter account. You know where we put it out? Jack, the well, great just don't say what got you banned. Well, no, no. What, what, <laughs> what, he's, what he was putting up. Well, what got banned was what they said. I said about Fauci and Ray, which was a metaphor, right? About Thomas More's It's yeah, clearly yeah. a metaphor. Yeah. No, but what we really got banned for was putting up the raw footage of the hard drive from hell, which we said, hey, you come for the porn. And you stay for the compromise, right? You, you come from all, the, and we were putting up to some pretty tasty well, so, but, but, stuff. But, but that's that's where they that got, that's where they us. really wanted to come down. That's that's, what, that's us losing our liberties in that war. A hundred percent. I think we have lost. I think. Right. By the way, the Chinese Communist Party is pretty good about putting cultural power in the newspapers, the New York Times or the, or the Washington Post that all have the China Daily. China Daily is Pravda. That's propped inside their their thing. Uh, the, yesterday. When Fauci does Kara Swisher's, her top podcast, and if you're in the tech business, you go to her podcast. She's a mover and shaker. She's got that great podcast. In the middle of the podcast, sponsored by Huawei. Right. Huawei is the... They purged that. They purged that. I saw people tweeting saying that they they came in later and removed the. Are the, you kidding me? I didn't even see that. Well, I saw I saw people tweeting about it. Fact check wow. me, guys who are listening. Right. But they, she's they Huawei is the, the IT department of the PLA. Okay, it's the People's Liberation Army's telecommunication division. Let's be brutally frank about that. Okay, and 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 she's sponsored, and Fauci's sitting there still trying to do the misdirection play. Hey, just saying. We'll read some more of these. We got uh, uh, Keyblade uh, Keyblade Master Andy says Tim makes a solid pitch for crypto, but as far as investing, many people like myself don't even know where to begin. Uh, Coinbase. Yeah, that's a good one. Coinbase uh, website. They're definitely overloaded, but it's functional. Yeah, Gemini, uh, very, very easy to use services. They want to make it easy for regular people. All right, let's see. We got, ooh, some people have retracted messages. Oh. All right, uh, GG Player says, question for Steve. Telling business what to do with their capital and their facilities sounds like it might need a right authoritarian, right authoritarian approach. It's interesting. Uh, we try not to be authorita- authoritarian, but at some point in time, I don't believe in the free, total free flow of capital outside the United States, right? Because otherwise you say, oh, you're going to increase taxes on the wealthy. You're just going to take all their money out, out of the United States. If you do it with these corporations, you're going to take, well, hey, hang on. If you're domiciled here and you, uh, you uh, live with the blessings of liberty that are provided by working class and middle class people that provide the substrate of civic society and provide the security, not just the police officers and the, and the EMTs and the nurses, but the, the military and these veterans and these, and these active duty people all over. If you have the blessings of liberty, you got to put a little something in the pot. Okay. And it shows you the scam. The 25 billion, that's what, that's where, you know, and it's, it's Merrick Garland. I think here on the thing, the, the, the scam is U.S. investigates. This is the page of the Financial Times from the other day. U.S. investigates leak of records showing billionaires pay tax sites. <laughs> it's not investigating the billionaires or why they're not paying the taxes. The number one thing, this is U.S. that was Merrick Garland, Joe Biden. So all you guys have voted for Biden. Embrace this. Don't give me your populism and how you're going to do this and you're going to do that. This is what you voted for. Yeah. And so when the billionaires, the 24 billionaires have paid under 15 billion in taxes over five years, Okay, the number one thing Merrick Garland and Joe Biden wants to do is find out who leaked the records. And you're right. saying that's just taxes on the books, right? Exactly. That's taxes on the books. All right. So we don't have anything. But but so, yes, is it, I'm not a libertarian. 
I don't believe in the total free flow of capital throughout the world. I think there has to be some constraints on it, and you have to think of the national good and the good of the nation. And I certainly don't believe in the free flow of labor because that only helps to impoverish citizens. Brian Nola says, first time hearing Bannon speak, the media completely lied. He's incredibly intelligent, and I couldn't agree with him more. I'll be seeking his podcast out. Bravo, good sir. Thank you. I think it's fairly obvious, like, all the media about you was just the most ridiculous lies. Like, far-right, so authoritarian, white supremacist <laughs> was, like, the most insane things. Because I've... I've, I've uh, I'm pretty far-right. <laughs> but I'm a populist. But, I'm but a nationalist. That, but what does that mean, being far-right? Well, which, I, don't which, agree, I don't agree with this kind of middle ground where you're going to... I think that people... Somebody has to stand up for the working-class people in this country. But, right? see, the thing is, when you're talking about left and right, you have to figure, you have to figure out where your definitions are. Are you talking right. about the political compass? Are you talking about the... There, there, there were like four different left and right spectrums 10 years ago. There was left in terms of hierarchy and right in terms of anarchy. It was like very strange how people were defining left and right. So typically in the political compass, far right just means free market. That doesn't mean anything other than that. And then authoritarian right uh, means like, I guess, uh, ideological control with a pseudo free market. It's very strange how people define what left and right means these days. When you say you're very much in favor of defending the working class, the left argues that's far left. Except I don't see their policies doing that. See, but first of the first thing you say, are you open borders? Are you for, are you for open borders? If you're open borders, you're destroying. All you're doing is putting the wor- the most intense competition against the people least able to defend themselves, and that's the working class. You're flooding the zone. What you're doing is flooding the zone with cheap labor. Right. And, and people can, and, and you're flooding the schools and the healthcare system. It all collapses. And you're not part of it because you're an elite. Right. You're going, and remember, you have more in common with people in Paris and people in Shanghai and people in London than you do with people in the Rio Grande Valley. That's the difference. Look, I come from a blue collar, principally democratic family that are, you know, are very pro military. And that was kind of the, one of the big breaks was the Vietnam War. But it's, it's, we're working class people, and this is why I have such a uh, um, uh, bond with the Chinese people. I went to China early on as a young naval officer and fell in love with the country and the people in Lao Beijing. Old, they are the most decent, family-oriented people on earth, and they have been crushed. One of the greatest civilizations on our planet. They've never voted. They've never voted. They've never had any freedom whatsoever. They're still under an imperial power, which now is a transnational criminal organization. So if I have to dedicate my life to fighting for those people and giving those people a voice and working class people, hey, that's that's to me, it's a it's a it's a great gig. I couldn't I couldn't imagine anything better. Right on. And by the way, I don't also don't give I could give two dams what the media says or whatever says, because here's what's whether I go to Oxford or whether people come to the show. They always say, hey, they lied about you. I like what you have to say. And that's all I care. Just right listen to the content. And see if you agree or disagree. And listen to it over time. Yep. Jonathan Fell says, hey, Tim, is YouTube censoring your channels and its growth statistic websites? Uh, I will say this because other people have asked. Um, for, for one thing is true. YouTube has notified me that they're going to be removing subscribers from my channels and not to worry about it. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that means. They say, don't worry. It's routine. You'll see a drop in your subscriber amount. Sure. Whatever. Uh, it could be a few things. One, we've got a lot of people saying they're no longer getting notifications, even though they've sub- they've liked the videos, they subscribed to the channel, and they hit the notification bell. YouTube still does not notify them of the stream. Yeah, that could be their thumb on the scale. Another big aspect of what's happening is last year, everybody's locked in their houses, and it's an election year. This means that political shows were massive. Us, we were 
riding a wave, man. We had, I think, like 130 million total views across all platforms in September and into and and, and, and again in October is massive. And into this year, I reduced the amount of content I'm producing. That affects growth. Less people are interested in po- hard political content, talking about policy and things like that. A lot of people, it's summer. The lockdowns are ending. They want to go out and party. They're not going to be late night watching these shows. So it could just be that a lot of people who are watching politics because it was an election year stopped and now views go down and that's a normal thing. You know, a lot of the channels that do culture war stuff talking about movies and comics are still seeing, you know, moderate growth. My channels tend to be much more political than that. So it's no surprise. I'll tell you this. 2022. Our views will be massive. 2023, it'll go down a little bit, but then the presidential election will be kicking into 2023 anyway, so it'll skyrocket. This is the year where we just came off a presidential election. No one really cares about the midterms yet. It's a lull period, so I will say this. I do think they put their thumb on the scales. I think they keep us out of the mainstream recommendation system. Meaning the only, I think they've quarantined politics on YouTube so that if you go to YouTube right now in a private tab, you're going to see Mr. Beast. You're going to see a bunch of mainstream pop culture. They want, they want to, they're building that up. And over time, slowly, this political space is going to shrink and shrink and shrink and get smaller. And they're only going to allow certain channels to actually function and operate. They're going to find more and more excuses to ban people. And then maybe in five years, channels like this won't exist on YouTube anymore. It'll be just a foofy Disney Plus kind of service. In which case, while it exists, you need to go to TimCast.com, become a member, because we're going to make our own rivaling streaming platform. We are going to do another podcast about unexplained paranormal mysteries because we want to do more than just news. We want to build culture and inspire people. And we want to make sure we have the ability to challenge the establishment media through news, through uh, making culture, through TV shows, through sitcoms. We're talking about funding a sitcom. We're talking about short films, mini docs, all of that stuff. And that's what happens when you become a member at TimCast.com. You're not just getting access to the stuff. You're helping us fight back by building culture. That's my plan, man. So share the video as well. And let's read some more Super Chats. All right, let's see what we got. We got a lot of super chats, and a lot of them uh, will make YouTube very angry. So I'm trying to be very careful. Obviously, my homies. <laughs> yep. All right, let's see. Warlock Holmes says, "Mr. Bannon and Tim, I'm from China, and I'm a permanent resident. I have my family here. What will happen to us if the war breaks out? Will we be deported or sent to camps? Will we be given a chance to choose a side?" In mainland China, the only people that can overthrow the Chinese Communist Party are the Chinese people. I think you have the diaspora of the Chinese people, about 250 million, three-quarters of which support you, and, of course, your uh, friends and allies in the West. The Chinese Communist Party is going to fall because they're a criminal organization, and people are finally identifying and calling out. Uh, Sir, we hope and I pray that civil war does not break out in China, but it won't. If the Chinese people put their shoulder to the wheel. But what about hot war between the U.S. and China? What will that mean? I mean, look, in World War II, we put Japanese people in internment camps. Let's let's. Uh, but he lives in mainland China. Yeah. Is he, uh, here's what I think. I think that we have to commit ourselves as populists and nationalists to make sure we don't get to a shooting war, a kinetic war with the Chinese Communist Party in either Taiwan, the South China Sea or other parts in, the, in, in uh, India. We can't allow that. That's totally within our call to do if we now wake up and force the, uh, the political class to basically take on China in information warfare and particularly economic. If we cut them off from capital markets, the dollar, 90 days we could bring this criminal organization to its knees, but we have to have the political will to do it. We must commit ourselves not to have a kinetic war because a kinetic war, I'm telling you, 
it could spin out of control and people would be hit with weapons. Uh, weapons, I think, that people can't even imagine today. And, oh, yeah. And yeah. As, bad, I mean, as bad as worse than nuclear weapons. Remember, the CC, this COVID-19 ain't the worst thing they're cooking up in labs have you in se- China, okay, you, the CCP. Have you seen the infrared lasers they have? Uh, I have not. So they have these gigantic infrared lasers that can point in the sky and just take down a plane or a drone. Yeah. Imagine if you if you think you know the weapons of exactly. uh, right now, right. You, you have no idea. This is my point. They've been developing stuff, and you'll never know about it. A lot of lasers at a lens and yeah. focus. Of, I mean, that's just crazy. one one thing. We, we cannot. Know we must commit ourselves that we would not. By the way, we are prepared to fight and win a kinetic war. We must never get there. And the way not to get there is to fight the information cyber war now and to fight the economic war right now. Do you think it's going to look like the Russian uh, dissolution of the Soviet power, the Chinese? You mean the the breaking up of of China into the warlords? No, I think hopefully if we do this right, we destroy and take down the CCP and the people, a populist movement in China installs democracy and they're able to go forward. They're going to have speed bumps. There's no doubt about it. But no, not to break. China would stay intact. All right. Chinese people. Uh, SVRWJR says, is War Room hiring? Reach out to my guys. We're always looking for, we're always looking for talent. Talent, you know, we're, 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 I'm a pretty good judge of horse flesh and we're always looking for talent. All right. We got, uh, we, we, we've got so many super chats. I'll try and read uh, a a few more, but I definitely want to get as much time in on the bonus segment as possible. Uh, cause I feel like that will be particularly spicy. You guys rock. So let's just do, uh, we'll do a couple more and sorry if I couldn't get to as many people as we normally do. I talked a lot. There's um, so many things to say. There's just a lot of comments that, that are like, you know, YouTube is just waiting with their finger over the button, ready to press ban. So I'm like trying to read through them and make sure, <laughs> smart, you know, smart posse. Yeah. 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 So we'll just do a couple more here and I'll see, I'll see if I can, uh, find something. Um, there's, there's a lot of questions for this. So I won't read anyone in particular, but a lot of people are, are asking for your opinion on General Flynn and Mike, what happened with all that. Mike, Mike Flynn is a, a great American. He was railroaded. Uh, he's a good man. Uh, he's a tough guy. He's always put the country first. What happened to him and what, how and going after him and, and, and essentially trapping him, to me, shows you the danger of what the FBI is up to uh, and what the, the CIA and these others are up to. That's why we have to have a church commission. Just look at General Flynn. Look at his record. Look what he's done as a patriot. Hasn't made a nickel, right? He's a guy who's always put his country first. He's a good man. He's a very good man. And you're going to see a lot more General Flynn uh, in the future. All right. Ian Walker says, so Mr. Bannon, how do we end slavery if we need it? I doubt you will find an American who does not want to end slavery. And yeah, all I have to say about Biden is uh, he, he lost the stare race. What was that? He fell down the stairs. Yeah. Um, yeah. How so do we, we end slavery? Well, mean, we talk about what's going on in China. Yeah. And I find it funny because during Occupy Wall Street, there were a lot of people pointing out that these young people had iPhones and they would be, laugh and be like, so what? I have an iPhone. It doesn't mean anything. And I, and I would be like, I mean, it's made by slave laborers at Foxconn who are committing mass suicide. It's a right. horrifying story. Right. Maybe you shouldn't buy Apple products. It's also a bunch of other components they make. But if Americans love their luxury, why would they ever give that up? Well, I think this is the point, that we have to have a national commitment to confront and to get our political class and our economic class to confront the Chinese Communist Party. And guess what? we got to bring some of this. Foxconn promised false promises to bring manufacturing back to Wisconsin, where the taxpayers of Wisconsin put it up. We have to have politicians, and we have to have their back. Populists have to understand this. Things may cost more. 
that's not the end of the world. Your, your world's not going to collapse because your iPhone's more. But as soon as we get that, you're going to see a balance in the world. You're going to see a balance in the world. The Chinese are going to be able to manufacture stuff, but they're going to be able to pay people, and they're going to have environmental regulation. Remember the big scam in, this, in the climate change in the Paris Accord is they're building more coal-fired factories than they're ever doing. They're polluting the rivers more. They're killing the Chinese people with, with what the Chinese Communist Party is putting in the environment, Right. We can, we can solve all that by taking down the Chinese Communist Party. And guess what? Bringing manufacturing back here. And, hey, it's going to cost more. If, if you're in the Republican Party or the orthodoxy, they go, oh, you can't say that. You yeah. can't say things are going to be because people want – from a consumerist society, we have to change to a production society. Once we turn to production yes. society, that's the key that picks the lock. The sunlit uplands of a peaceful, prosperous nation are decades ahead of us. But we have to make that change today, and we can make that change. It takes political will, and political will comes from the will of the people to back politicians that will do that. Right on. Ladies and gentlemen, you need to go to TimCast.com and sign up because we're going to have a bonus segment talking about a bunch of spicy topics. That'll be probably up around 11 or so, but maybe the conversation will end up going long because I imagine it will be spicy topics. But don't forget to like this video, subscribe to this channel. If you're listening on iTunes or Spotify, share the show. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at TimCastIRL where you can help share our videos because we want to leverage those platforms to get more people to go to TimCast.com. That's part of the big exodus plan. I'm hoping that in five or 10 years, we don't care so much about these social media platforms because we have a massive streaming platform of our own with our own journalists, our own independent shows, our own video players, all of that good stuff. We need your support to make that happen. All of you who are members right now, you've basically made it happen and we're going to keep expanding. We're hiring like crazy and we're going to put all of our, we're going to put all the risk up front. We're going to assume that because look, with the success of this platform, I do not wish to buy an infinity pool. I know it breaks Ian's heart. I would like one. We, I want to hire another journalist. I want to hire more reporters. I want to produce more documentaries. I want to challenge the establishment. If at the end of my life, I were to look back at the things I owned, I would not be happy with a car. I'd be happy with a team of a, a bunch of news reports that came out that had an impact that helped improve the world and made people's lives, lives better. So that's TimCast.com. Check it out. Do you want to shout out your uh, podcast and your social media? Just uh, go. I don't know my social media because my team does, but just go to warroom.org. You get it every day. Real America's Voice. Uh, you get the podcast. You get the live stream. You get everything. You get all the libraries. So we're there every day, 10 a.m. to noon live, Eastern Time. And then at 5 o'clock for a one-hour, 5 o'clock show. So we're three hours a day and five, six days a week. We grind it. And if wow. you go, I think uh, if you give it a shot, I think you'll become a, uh, a participant. I think people like what we do, which is try to lay out information and let people come to their own decisions. But give them tools of which we're an active Activists come to us. We, we are all about human agency and right action, action, action. Not there to sit passively like a lot of talk radio, which is all great. We just don't compete with that, but to do something different. Right on. Thank you so much for coming, Steve. No, thank you guys for having me. It's been great. great. And by the way, one thing I got to do, my production team has to, who are here tonight, have to talk to the great producers. This is an amazing system. I mean, it's actually, not, it's my not voice sounds the best it's ever sounded. So <laughs> it's not particularly like sophisticated, to be honest. It's pretty straightforward, yeah. Um, we, don't, we don't use a TriCast or anything fancy like Crowder yeah. does, but uh, <laughs> we got like stream decks. It like works it. well. We're actually right. moving into a new studio in the in yes. the coming weeks. Wow, it's very exciting! Well, you yes. guys are great. It was a real honor to be here tonight. Oh no, thank you for coming, man. I, I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, it's gonna go on, and we'll go long. Go long. But we got we got more to talk about. Yeah, okay, Timcast.com. It's coming up. <laughs> hey, so <laughs> follow me at iancrossland.net and at iancrossland on social media. Just blurt that out there. Yeah, do Thanks. throw it out there. So you guys should all tune in to Steve's podcast for sure. I'm gonna have to listen to that on the way home, and probably to this episode again because I don't feel like I caught everything that we talked about. We went through it. Fast. You guys are more than welcome to follow me on Twitter at Sour Patch Lids as I attempt to have more followers than Sour Patch Kids. 
We will see you all at TimCast.com. Thanks for hanging out. Bye, guys. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.